It does not matter what show it is. You know that old. That's hymn. about the extent of our production meetings. That, around that here. old hymn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what do we sit down. What do we call this? <laughs> yeah, that's what inspired that's Bohemian it. Rhapsody, actually, too. Oh, really? Just yeah. What do we call this? Thing? Doesn't matter what we call it. Let's uh, just do it. Bohemian's a cool word. We need to run that back and not let the mommy bloggers steal it. Oh, is for uh, for a, it? like a dress. Like if a dress has like tassels or something, it's all of a sudden bohemian. Oh yeah, there's also a band called the New Bohemians, right? Sure. Yeah. Is that uh, breaking album? news. Yeah. Is that a movie? Uh, I don't know I've much about never pop heard culture. That. Don't know, know about much. Don't know much about pop culture. Um, well, whatever happens, we'll keep moving forward with Bohemian. Always. Uh, we will keep moving forward with Queen. Great mm-hmm. band. Uh, and it looks like the Mavs are going to move forward, kind of. Is that is that a weak metaphor? I Did hate I, you. I didn't, I didn't stick that landing. No, I hate you already. Wow. Uh, we are one minute and f- seven seconds into it, and there's already there's already <laughs> tension. <laughs> Nah, it's never never tense. Never tense on this show. Yeah. Having uh, fun. I'm just upset that we gave away the championship to our game that the righteous James Naismith invented mm. to Canada last year. Yeah, night. man. America took one big L this season. Yeah. <laughs> just over and over. Just the whole season from start to finish. Yeah. We've got to do better next year. America's got to keep moving forward. <laughs> now they, they own our game. Happen. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, I'm not Canadian happy now? about it. Yeah, all the teams actually had to move to Canada. I don't know if you saw that in the uh, yeah. the CBA. Canada is winning the summer. We interviewed yeah. Dwight Powell. That's true. Day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, depending on what happens, he might get paid this summer. Yeah, hopefully. Hope he's here for a long time. Yeah. So we'll we'll see about. I hope that. he takes us out for a lot of lunches. Our good friend just Dwight Powell. Put, put that out there. Yeah, just a suggestion. Yeah. I mean, if he invited me, I would say yes. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Do you think he likes me more or you? Who's closer? Ooh. Who's closer to Operation Real Friends with uh, Dwight Powell? Man, see, I think, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe you. Yeah, you're taking the. You're ta- your face is taking. I've known him longer. That's true. I've known him longer. That says more, though, doesn't it? That I've known him for <laughs> all of a <laughs> you're year. You're already so close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that's tough. Yeah, your face says L. <laughs> I was there for Maxie's first day as a Maverick. That's cool. In Vegas. Do you think Maxie likes me more than you? Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You need to work on your people Dennis skills. Does too, but I, I think yeah. uh, I think I'm winning the Luca race for what that's worth. Probably right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to earn his. I'm not. I'm not just gonna be friends with him. Oh wow! Okay. I'm not a sellout. He's not a rookie anymore. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, July for Ju- June 30th, 6:01 p.m. Yeah, he will no longer true. be a rookie. That's true. New league year. So. New league year. Yeah. Um, so what are we doing? Uh, we're doing a podcast. No, well, I know. Oh, but okay. Tease the show. Uh, so uh, we're talking today. What is today? Today's like June 14th. The yeah. draft is June 20th. 6142019. Yeah. Uh, so the NBA draft is on Thursday. We are less than a week away, as right. crazy as it sounds, um, from the draft. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we're four days away from awards and 10 days away from free agency. Yeah. Which has been now moved up to basically June 30th, but June 29th is the day that you can schedule meetings and everything. So the NBA offseason started about 10 hours ago, mm-hmm. and it like it really picks up in like what the next 48 hours well not 48 hours what is the what is six times 24 six times 24 would be 140 120 something hours i don't know i'll get back to you on that hot dog but uh, yeah but uh <laughs> it picks up soon man so 
we're going to be looking today at some of the players that are going to be around in the second round. The Mavs have the 37th pick. Uh, we're going to be kind of looking at the draft as a whole, I guess. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, it's not the same thing as last year, obviously, yeah. where you're like, okay, let's just watch the top 10 guys and get a good feel for them and see what we like and don't like and throw the hot takes out there and tell you why Mobamba might not be the pick at three or, you know, something like that. This year, we're kind of shooting in the dark. Um, yeah. I'd do this anyway whether we even have a pick if we didn't have a pick i think i'd like to know what a lot of these guys are like um because that's your first introduction to um a guy that might be available on a second contract in a couple of years and you're like oh i remember i like that guy uh down the road so it's important to have a knowledge base to build off of because as we do i don't know if you feel this way working for a team i watch one team so much and I watch the Western Conference and our division so much that, like, there are things that could be happening in the Eastern Conference that, I don't know, I don't who he is, yeah, who Kim Birch, yeah, you know, yeah. As I mean, example. like, well, Kevin Herter, for example, for the yeah. Hawks, he made the second team All Rookie Team mm -hmm. ahead of Brunson, and it's yeah. like, well, wait a minute, I watched probably two or three Hawks games this season mm -hmm. whenever they played against the Mavericks, you yeah. know, so I don't have a lot of Kevin Herter exposure, but apparently he was phenomenal. Do you think it's solely because D-Wade swapped jerseys with him? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. It, I think that was about he, half of it. He scored some clout from that yeah. one. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, he wears the number three, so mm -hmm. that, that definitely gave him a boost. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good example, too, and a lot of these guys that are going to be taken in the second round. So we're, we're each going to give you five names of mm -hmm. people that we watched that – are going to be taken anywhere from 15 to undrafted. Man. Like yep. this draft is impossible to predict, and and we'll we'll explain that why uh, we'll explain why we think that too here in a little bit. But uh, I think I have the highest projected guy right now on a lot of lists. Yeah, uh, with Kevin Jaylay, which is I believe that's how you say his name. That's how people are saying it online. Yeah, uh, Mafandu Kevin Jaylay might be the highest prospect that gets drafted that we talk about, which. Whenever we started doing this, there were lists that had him down around 30, you mm -hmm. know, late 20s. And now all of a sudden, since uh, they found combined, out that you were watching. It. Yeah, they knew I was on the beat. The so stock, yeah. it was a uh, top 50 lottery guy for sure. Yeah. But so. uh, it's going to range from there to guys that are, you know, down around 50 ish. Um, yeah. And some guys that I already had preconceived notions about, like Carson Edwards, um, Daniel Gafford. Uh, dudes that we scouted last year that I don't know why they didn't stay in the draft. That's up to them. That's their personal decision. But mm. Gafford probably would have went lottery last year. Carson Edwards probably would have went into the first last year about the same position, but they're back. So we get a little bit more tape on them, a little bit more feel. Um, and we're going to try and tell you what that guy's like, what to expect. And if he becomes a Maverick, you got a good, a good feeling out process of him. Yeah. And each guy also kind of represents like a larger conversation that we can have. So this is going to be a pretty meaty podcast. So if mm -hmm. you like the draft, yeah. uh, definitely, uh, whatever, subscribe, mm -hmm. give us a, Give rate us a and review. This is probably on the ceiling is the roof. It's probably. also on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so go to YouTube and you can look at Mike and you can sorry click about to that. A, yeah, you can click to another window whenever I start. Apologies. Talking. You can you can watch Mike talk. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to all that, man, we got some exciting news. We do. Uh, have you ever heard of the Himalaya Mountains? Yeah, absolutely. So they're grand. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, people go there. Uh, there's a new podcast app that's even grander than the Himalaya Mountains. Wow. It's called Himalaya. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, they are the, the now, what, the, like the official sponsor? Is that what they are? They are, yeah. They're the official sponsor, the official podcast and platform. Official of the platform, Mavericks. absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Himalayan it's a really cool app. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It is. It's a. It's a very cool app. It just launched in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is probably the number one podcast platform in China, I would think, and yeah. and just I guess larger Asia as a whole. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a Chinese company. They're getting started here in the U.S. Uh, they are on board with us and with a lot of other big big time programs. Uh, it's free. It's easy to use. Easy to download. Um, if you make an account with them, they will personally curate playlists for you. That's helpful, man. Yeah. That's like you do with Spotify, right? Yeah, you can basically say like, "I like mur- uh, like murder mystery <laughs> podcasts." <laughs> you got to finish that sentence. Yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah. I, I like comedy. I like sports. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, if if you like sports, you want to listen to all the Mavs podcasts. It will mm-hmm. automatically give you other programs that are kind of similar mm-hmm. that you could check out. Uh, you can create playlists. Like, if you listen to this episode, you're like, "This is great." Kind of reminds me of uh, a couple other draft podcasts that I listen mm-hmm. to. I'm going to package them all together, send them to my buddies so that they can listen to it too. Yeah. Uh, you can do that. That's difficult, honestly, because as somebody that likes to listen to podcasts on very niche subjects, yep. like I like fantasy baseball stuff, I like fantasy baseball prospect stuff, I like NBA stuff and NBA draft, it's like there's uh, maybe one or two that exists and then three that'll pop up whenever you search it and they haven't posted since 2015 or something like that. So it's, I mean, think of it as you do like a Spotify playlist. They know what they're going to recommend to you. There's an algorithm to it. And there's a lot of people that are trying to do the uh, gather up this part of the market of what people are creating in the podcast field now because podcasting is huge. Um, it's, it's a moneymaker, and people are making some incredible stuff, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, sports, along those lines. But Himalaya is different because they have a lot of content you can't get anywhere else in terms of, like, just exclusive stuff. Like, I know you worked on some stuff a couple weeks ago with uh, with Luca. Yeah. Um, they're signing specific deals with individuals that you want to hear from. It's not just, hey, there's a market. Let's cut it up and, like, claim our stake. Um, well, it's not just like something like iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, right. which are all great, but th- those are just things that people will upload content to. Yeah, those are just platforms. That's just uh, yeah. I hit upload and share a link to it. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more of a uh, user-friendly platform where it'll show you, hey, you like this, you might like this as well. Hit a subscribe button, give it a try. Um, so they're doing some cool stuff, and we're happy to be partnered with them and happy to get moving. Uh, in that direction we will have some more uh podcast announcement announcements probably later in the summer mm. about what we're trying to do um on a in a historical uh sense and then maybe on a daily sense um going into next season because there's no reason this shouldn't be your one stop for mavericks content on a daily basis oh it is going to be awesome and like you said we are doing some exclusive stuff with luca we might be doing some exclusive stuff with some other players too okay so uh, definitely download Himalaya today, make an account, subscribe, follow all the Mavs programs, and you will be the first by more than a day, I think, the first mm-hmm. to get access to all that exclusive stuff. So uh, download Himalaya, follow the Mavs, do all that stuff right now, literally mm-hmm. right now. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, what's up? Uh, okay. it's my good friend. So to the draft. Uh-huh. Again, the draft, Thursday, June 20. The right. Mavs are picking 37th overall. 620. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that 620 is on 620 <laughs> this year, man. It's totally rad. Bro. Um, so, I, I think before we start talking about actual players, we should mm-hmm. talk about kind of like what to expect from this draft specifically, mm-hmm. what to expect from players that generally go 37th and in that range overall. Sure. I think Jalen Brunson might have skewed our, pers- our opinion uh, yeah. of, uh, of second rounders after We've what he did last hits. season. We've had some hits down around that area. I mean, what was uh, my buddy Jay Crowder? 
uh, 33, I think. Yeah. One ahead or mm-hmm. one behind Draymond, kind of yeah. in that area. So mm-hmm. there have been some good early second rounders mm-hmm. uh, recently. But uh, before we actually start talking about names that we think might be there, that we personally like, or maybe that just are interesting to us, mm-hmm. um, I guess let's talk about the draft as a whole, kind of like why this year is so hard to predict. Yeah. I mean – Coming into the the season, the college basketball season, what I'm referring to, I mean, it was like, okay, oh, my God, look at Duke. Look at what they got. They got Zion. They got Cam Reddish. They got R.J. Barrett. Maybe all of these dudes are one, two, three in the draft for the first time uh, ever for a school. Um, And then, you know, you leave room for um, some guys that are going to surprise you, a John Morant, uh, maybe a Darius Garland. Um, Kobe White. Kobe White, for sure, sneaking in there. I think we knew DeAndre Hunter was good. Uh, didn't know that about Jared Culver, though. No, exactly. Jared Culver and John Morant were the two dudes that I was like, I don't, I don't, I didn't know their names going into the college basketball season, and they clearly separated themselves um, from the guys at their position. But I think on the whole, I don't ever like to say like a draft is weak in talent or um, – isn't quite comparable to last year's the year before but you can you can stack up the tape whenever the thing's over and go okay well so many all-stars came out of this draft and so many uh starters came out of this draft people project this one to be on the lower side compared to last year uh and years prior in terms of impact players but to me that's just okay that means you got to scout harder if the if the talent pool is flattened out after you know, people want to say Zion, R.J. Barrett, John Morant. Those are the top three, and then it kind of flattens out. Okay, well, go in there and, well, I'll, I'll share with you something that the great Gil Brandt once said to me. He said, uh, any any random person, I think his example was, uh, <laughs> any housewife was his example, can tell you who the best player is and can tell you who the worst player is. It's digging in to that other player pool of the guys that look the same and finding something and plucking that out and saying, you know what, I can build on that. That's what scouting is. And that's what um, the Mavs have been doing for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. have been doing draft workouts now, and I'm, cert- I'm sure all season they've had people around uh, checking out, okay, I know we're going to probably, we might keep the top five pick, unlikely. We're probably going to be hovering around into the first uh, or top of the, top of the second, um, 37 range, so get a feel for it. But... That's your job. And just because the draft isn't as strong as years before, it doesn't matter. I don't think that it's a thing where it's – well, I will say the top of the draft is definitely not as strong, probably on paper at least as last year's, which is like historically good, Mm -hmm. right? First five picks made the all-rookie first team, which never has happened except for 84, which is like the best draft ever. I think where you're talking about like the talent flattening out is like – Usually the top 10 or top 15 guys are like head and shoulders above everybody else. This year, the difference between the 50th player and the 20th player is like two points on 2K. I mean, the margins are super thin. I remember in 2015, that was the year the Mavs drafted Justin Anderson. They had the 21st pick, I believe. And that was really the first year where I started watching a lot of draft players because I had access to Synergy and it was Mm -hmm. awesome. And the Mavs had a pick, uh, which at that point was pretty rare for them. And I was watching all of these guys that were projected between like 20 and 30. And all of them had like kind of glaring flaws in their game, Mm -hmm. right? 
And this year, I was expecting the group to kind of be the same way, the group of players that we were going to watch. And then I started watching them and was like, wow, these these guys are actually really good. There's some quality players that are between 30 and 40. And so I think really this year, uh, from what I've seen, and now I haven't watched every game these guys have played, but I think the difference between your 15th player on the board or 12th player even and your 32nd player is level of athleticism mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, guys like uh, Nas Little from uh, North Carolina, he's like a super athlete. He's got all the measurables in the world. His numbers weren't that great, but he's a super athlete. Mm -hmm. Tyler Hero, apparently, even though he's got a 6'3 wingspan, he's going to be a dead-eye shooter at 6'5", six 6'6". Six six. And so he really has a like, negative you, wingspan? Yeah, yeah. 6'6", <laughs> six, six, yeah, six six, six sounds, like, sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> and it, but that is the – that's like your late lottery, late teens. Yeah range of players is guys mm. that are like excellent at one thing you're a super mm. athlete you're a super shooter uh maybe you're an incredible defender right but guys that we were looking at i think what you found and definitely what i found is like the guys between 20 and 40 are really stinking good mm -hmm. and they might not even have glaring weaknesses to their game they just might not have a 50 inch vertical right you know which i guess could be a weakness but really i think that the things that i found is the players that are in the range that we watch is like are they not super athletic are they juniors or seniors did they play at tennessee mm -hmm. like these are these are the qualifiers for guys that are in that range this year and uh i don't think that there's anything wrong necessarily with the players that are in that range i think that you can definitely find someone that'll contribute mm -hmm. but historically it's unlikely uh, yeah it doesn't mean it can't happen though right i mean we've done a good job of it like we mentioned earlier but this year it does it does weird me out a little bit because um, I feel like going into a season, a college basketball season, like the thing could take place, and the guys that are in the top ten preseason, like yes, I I use ESPN quite a bit for their insider stuff on draft because I think they do a great job. Um, I feel like in years past there was a top ten, and almost no matter what happened during that basketball season, those guys are probably going to be eight of them are probably going to still be your top ten, mm -hmm. um, just because hype potential. Um, people know their names. Um, it all kind of factors into this this you know smoothie you're making of here's my draft board. Um, but I remember before the season, Romeo Langford was a name you couldn't get away from, right? I remember hearing that dude two years out, like whenever you're downloading your NBA 2K uh, draft yeah, classes, yeah, yeah. it was like Romeo Langford, Zion, R.J. Barrett, um, Bull Bull the same way. Um, and then to the lesser extent, Nas Little and Jackson Hayes and Guys like Nas Reed. When there was a, a real belief that Rui Hachimura could be the first yeah. upperclassman taken. Yeah. And John Morant is mm -hmm. going to be the number two pick. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, so I feel like they people are actually catching wind to, okay, these 35 games that we see, they matter a lot. They matter a lot. You can drop 15 spots. Like, you're not going to just straight up see you at pick 50 for these guys that, like, I don't know what. Darius Garland only played like five games, right? Yeah, him and Bull Bull both. So, is that better than playing thirty-five and not having a great season? Like, I don't, I don't know what could be what you could go into a season and do as a guy that's probably a five-star recruit that's going to a big D one college that doesn't have any off the courts or you know career-threatening injuries. You could do to slide all the way out of the first, but a lot of these guys have definitely slid like twenty spots, which was surprising to me. Um, and the international guys are a whole different conversation because uh, Sekou Dumbuya, I'm like, 
okay, was he good this year? Or are you just keeping him at nine because you had him at nine preseason? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, do you know any more information about him? Yeah. Um, and just as le- leaning forward into some of the players we're going to talk about, um, I'm not that great at projecting. I'm not a scout, number one, so I'll take all this with a grain of salt. But uh, well, I'm not, I am. So. Oh, well, that's good. Glad yeah. you're here. Um, I'm not that good at looking at a guy playing and going, well, the next thing he could do is this. Um, I can't really. I'm not like a shot doctor. I'm not going to look at a shot and go, okay, well, if he you know, straightens out his elbow, that's he's got a shot there. Um, but I'm pretty good at looking at your body of work and going, okay, that can play or that can't. That's just a product of playing against a bunch of six, eight dudes from Purdue five times a season. Yeah. Or, you know, it's – so that that's that's where I come from it. I can – I'm going to look – I'm going to dive deep into what you put on tape, what's out there. I'm going to watch – I think all these dudes I watched at least 200 offensive possessions of, um, and I wasn't going to watch all, like, 450 that a lot of them had because that's, like, three hours of tape. Yeah, but maybe uh, if maybe if they had the seventh pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 37 like is, like – Like, last year, I watched every Luka oh, game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah, last year I was – talking myself into Bamba and uh, Wendell Carter and watching every possession they had in their seasons. Yeah. Um, but I never – I'm not even going to be ambitious enough to tell you that I'm, I can watch a dude and his tape be not that good, but, oh, there's this little diamond in his game that I think he could develop this three years down the road. Like, I don't have that galaxy brain of scouting. I'm going to look at the dude. I'm going to watch everything he can put out there. I'm going to read everything I can find about him. And I'm going to tell you, okay, how do I feel this guy can live in the NBA day one? So that's how I go about it. That's my draft theory, looking at players, whatever Do they have it? What's their NBA skill? Yeah. That's something we hear Rick Carlisle say all the time. For sure. In order to play, you got to be good enough at something. Yeah. And if you're not good enough at anything, Mm -hmm. then why would we draft you? Yeah. You know, unless there's a real belief that that will develop. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I'm I'm I, I I'm with you. I'm looking for what can you do from day one. Yeah. Are you good enough to play in an NBA game right now? Right. Because of one thing or multiple mm-hmm. or none. And what have you exhibited in your 35 to some of these dudes have 70 games um, in college? I mean, they play 30 to 35 a season. Like Gafford has about 60 something games, right? Mm. So I'm, what have you shown me in those games? Because they matter. I know people like to think that like the one and done people don't care about their games, but they matter to me. If you're going to be lazy in your 30 games at whatever, Virginia or wherever you play, um, that says something to me. So I'm just going to tell you what I see, what I saw. Um, do you want to jump into the wings discussion? Or tell me which dudes you're going you're gonna to look at. Well, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll preview uh, the players. But I want to I talk about which – I want to talk about, like, why this draft is super weird real okay, quick. Sure. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you my names first. Mm-hmm. So – the five players, uh, and then I got one sleeper who I'll name later, but the five players that I watched the most and kind of have, like, formulated some opinions on. Uh, I mean, I got takes about everybody, but I mean, mm-hmm. like, my bold takes. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker out of Iowa State, uh, Matisse Thibel out of Washington, Carson Edwards from Purdue, uh, Bruno Fernando out of Maryland, and then Dylan Windler out of Belmont. Now, I think pretty confident that – Horton Tucker and Thibel especially will probably go in the first round, but there's a chance they don't. Um, and the other three, not so sure about, especially with Bruno Fernando. He might mm-hmm. he might go earlier, but those are five guys that could or maybe should be in the 
area in in mm. the in the area relatively where the Mavs will be picking. I'm bummed you didn't have Boris Zuzek on your list. Ah, well, I, he, <laughs> he, barely, Jake, he barely missed the cut. I'll get Jake in to do a Boris Zuzek scouting report. Yeah, who's um, who's your five? Uh, my port is my my port porter's in there. Yeah, oh, my okay. port. Okay. But yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, from USC, Mafondu, Kevin Jale, uh, center from Florida State, Nick Claxton, center slash whatever you want to call him from Georgia, uh, Luka Semenik from Croatia, and then Daniel Gafford from Arkansas. And if we want to talk a little Admiral Schofield and where okay. he could fit in, um, I'm down for that. It's yeah, I think a, literally the entire Tennessee roster is going <laughs> to be yeah. like between 25 and 35. Yeah, yeah, and some of those dudes, I mean, Porter and Kevin Jaylay have been creeping up inside the top 20. Uh, as of late, but the other three are, you know, you see 30 to 40 to 45 on some of them. So, um, you know how this works. You're going to be sitting there into the first round pick uh, 31, and you're going to be like, how is this dude a second round pick right now? Yeah. Um, so it happens every year. I mean, last year I thought D'Anthony Milton was definitely a top 20 guy, and he goes after our pick. Uh, I think he went like two or three picks after our pick. So it just happens. Yeah. Um, people stack them up different. You got different likes. Well, and the draft is going to play out weird, too, and that kind of goes right into what I wanted to talk about, which is there's four teams that control, like, half of the draft, mm-hmm. and <laughs> none of them want players. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, 13 of the first 35 picks in the draft, right, mm-hmm. which is all before the Mavs pick. So one-third of the first 35 picks in the draft go to four teams, okay, and three of them are desperately trying to either shed salary Mm -hmm. or like just trade their picks for players right you got boston with picks 14 20 and 22 there ain't no way no matter what happens with boston's roster in my opinion there is no way they want to have three rookies on their team in that range because they're either gonna try and make a gigantic trade Mm -hmm. or they're gonna maybe consider like I, I I don't I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I don't think they're going to use all those picks, mm-hmm. right? I think they they prefer players. Uh, Brooklyn has picks twenty seven and thirty one. We already saw them trade their seventeenth pick. They're trying to save money to do the whole free agency bit. So who knows what's going to happen with their pick? Philly, which has two max level free agents that they're trying to keep, and then also mm-hmm. JJ Redick is a free agent. They have picks twenty four, thirty three, thirty four, and forty two, and then Atlanta finally. They're maybe the one team that has multiple picks that actually wants young players. Mm-hmm. But they have 8, 10, 17, <laughs> 35, 41, and 44. They got That's six awesome. picks. They don't want – like, they don't have enough room on their team yeah. to get all of those players. Hawks University. Yeah, and so when you have that many teams, four teams with uh, – what, what is the number? I think 16 picks between uh, 8 and 44, something <laughs> just outrageous like that. There's no way that they're going to use all of them. And yep. so a team could trade up. They could trade down. They could turn Atlantic, could turn 8 and 10 into number 5. Atlantic could turn 8 and 10 into a future pick and pick yeah. 19. Yeah. Uh, you have OKC at 21 who doesn't want to use the pick. The Spurs have 19 and 29. Who knows if they want two more rookies because they already have so many young players. The Kings have 40, 47, and 60. They're a team that I might think might want to move up to get a player. So it's just I have no idea what's going to happen. That's why I've kind of been like operating under the assumption all year, just based on the Mavs history as well, that like I'm not convinced that they're going to pick a player at 37. Hmm. They might move up. They might move back. They might trade out completely. Uh, I have no idea. But I do know that they are armed with the 37th pick and maximum cash, which I think is, what, $5.2 million or something like that. Yeah. So they could potentially uh, use that cash to trade up. They could use that cash to buy a pick. 
um, in to complement the 37th pick. They could use the 37th pick to make a trade. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going to happen. Th- that, and that's another reason uh, that this draft is so difficult to predict because normally the bottom of the first round is full of teams that want to use them on draft and stash players. Uh, this year, the bottom of the first round is full of teams that don't want them at all. Yeah. So I just I have no idea what's going to happen. And the, the international pool is pretty weak this year yeah. compared to recent years. So if you're going to use the 20th pick, you're going to use it on an American player. Mm-hmm. You can't stash them. That, that range is usually teams that um, have played well because uh, they have 20 through 30 yep. in the draft, and they would really like to – fill out their final roster spot with a rookie Aff- on a f- an affordable yeah, contract affordable contract uh so that's that stands out to me number one that there's so many teams that are like no we need impact players like now we need cornerstone guys like now um and the other thing that stands out to me is as a team sitting where we are if you fall in love with a dude and he's got a promise at 27 or your intel tells you that man he's not making it past 27 a lot of opportunity to move up mm. um, because it doesn't make sense in a vacuum that if you have three picks that one of those three picks is less valuable just because you have three picks than it would be if a team that had one pick but it works that way yeah right if you have five centers you can't sell your fifth center for the same price tag that you would if you only had one if he was your one guy, like the value just plan demand, baby, it just takes a little cut out of it, a little cut. So you start, those are, and those are like marketplaces that start getting generated that the teams, smart teams take advantage of. Um, like whenever new Orleans jumped in on Jalil Okafer and got him out of Philly, um, they didn't pay much. That's a good, that's a good risk to take, right? That's a marketplace you want to be in. That's an advantageous situation. So that interests me a lot sitting at 37 and going, Okay, if I really want to get up there, I don't think it's that hard. Um, but yeah, when the, that's interesting. the flip side to that as well is, if you draft a second round player, there's no cap hold. Mm-hmm. If you draft a first round player until that player sign, well, I, I suppose there is a cap hold, but it's like very, very, very small. It's like mm-hmm. almost negligible. Uh, if you draft a first round player, there is a significant relative to the amount of money that these teams are trying to save for free agency mm-hmm. uh there's a significant cap hold that goes into that as well yeah. so there's all the dancing move, musical chairs dancing like numbers game that's yeah, happening yeah and so you have like a team like brooklyn for example which is no secret what they're trying to do mm-hmm. if they draft a player at 27 there's gonna be a cap hold yeah they're they don't trying wanna... they're trying to shed as much money as possible yeah so if they were to trade or philly or i mean this could be any team the spurs it could be the warriors whatever mm-hmm. whatever team is in the first round if they want to trade down to the second and draft a player uh it will still save them huge money to do that so yep. if you're a team in the second round like the kings or the mavs or literally anybody else the wolves the hornets mm-hmm. are apparently trying to trade up now from 12 uh if you can trade into the first round, then you're guaranteed to get the player you want, and you also save the other team some money. So it's yeah. kind of mutually beneficial. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the most quotable one that Mavs fans will jump on is the, what, Shane Larkin year. Yeah. Whenever you're trying to move down a couple spots just to save this $500,000 to try mm-hmm. and, you know, sign Dwight Howard. And no one will ever forget it because it's it's just, to us, the money doesn't matter. Like, it's I can spend other people's money pretty well. Right? Oh, yeah. But to them, it's a, it's a business and if you don't have a max slot to chase a free agent, just going in there and being like, all right, let's start this team up. You're, you're coming our way. If 
by the way, can you uh, take a little bit less than the other teams can offer you? <laughs> yeah. What now? But you really want to be here, right? You really want to be here. Right? Yeah, you, you want to be here the so thing. much. Yeah. I don't think you're the best at your profession right now, so I'm going to pay you a little bit less. Is that cool? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's, that's not, not cool. It's not working. No. And now, especially with the events that unfolded in the finals, all of these teams that have loads of money this summer are, <laughs> are a little thirstier. What an advertisement for the G League, too, I man. Know, man. With Pascal and Fred Van Fleet. Yep. Like, those dudes were awesome. I mean, they won. I mean, Kawhi definitely had a huge impact, but... Mm. The games they won, dude, it was like, it was Fred, and it was Pascal, and yep, they were amazing. playing out of their minds, and those are G League guys. Yeah, it was amazing, and you're the two best, uh, well, two of the three best unrestricted free agents in the finals are hurt now. Yeah. So you have God all of mighty. these teams on the coast that have been looking at this summer for mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. And uh, da, 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 yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I still, I still need some time to wrap my mind around like exactly. That's horrible. Get a read on it. Just get a read on. Okay, Clay tore his ACL. Like, what's the time frame for that? KD has already had Achilles surgery. What does that mean for next year and beyond for him? What does that mean for the Warriors? What does that mean for the West? Yeah. What does that mean for teams like Houston that who were like, uh, hey, give us a call. Oh wait, the West is wide open now. Okay, actually, we're going to run it back. Yeah. You know, like, it's that's another That's another take that, that got proved wrong. This was the year of the wrong take. So <laughs> everybody's been burying Houston for two months, yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, are they the favorites in the yeah. West right now? I Probably. Mean, them or Denver, right? Yeah. They and if you're Denver now, you be try feeling and great. pull a Kawhi thing where you get the guy for one year and try and win a championship. Yeah. Know? It's time like, to go for it, man. It's wide open. And yeah. so if you're the Mavericks, mm-hmm. you got these two studs. Well, I mean, maybe we don't have to wait until right. 2022. Are we closer than we thought, right? Yeah. Is the is the bar not 11 feet now? Is it is it nine feet? Yeah. Like, is that what we're trying to jump over? Yeah. But that is uh, that is a question to answer for another day. Yeah. We got In a whole the meantime, season. let's talk about the draft, man. Yeah. Uh, so pick number 37 is where the Mavs are. That is the seventh pick of the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and that no, was because I, of a. Is that a pick swap situation, or is that just our not a pick swap? So okay. they were tied. When's our Golden State thing kick in? Uh, that is uh, next. That's twenty twenty. My internet was being funky. Yeah. So in twenty twenty, so next season the Mavericks owe their own second round pick to Philadelphia as part of the New Orleans Noel trade, mm. um, and <laughs> they get they have the option yeah. uh, to take the better of Golden State or Houston's pick in yeah. the second round, or they can defer that to twenty twenty one. Interesting. So I mean, odds are. Well, now with what's happened with Golden State, I don't know. Maybe that second mm-hmm. round pick next year will be somewhere in the forties. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they could do that, or they could defer to twenty twenty one. But they will not have their second round pick next season. They will have their first round pick. The Mavs. Um, so we have a first next year, right? Yes, they have their own first okay. rounder, uh, and they do. They could get either Golden State or Houston's. Mm-hmm. They have the thirty seventh pick this year by virtue of actually losing. Um, the yeah. lottery <laughs> moving up. <laughs> because, yeah, so Memphis and uh, New Orleans both moving up meant that the Mavs have the best of the second round pick. So had the mm-hmm. Mavs moved up um, and won the lottery by some miracle, they would have the 39th pick. So that's where New Orleans will be uh, at 39 and then Memphis is at 38, although I think both of those teams owe those picks to someone else. I don't know. Um, but anyway... Without further ado, Mike, uh, yeah. do you want to talk about your person first, or do you want me to go yeah. about mine? The, fir- the first player I have on here is uh, Kevin Porter Jr. from USC. And, I mean, I can 
break down exactly what he's about and what kind of style of ball he plays and the the things that scare me. But what kept popping in my mind is seeing this dude mocked 15 to 18 pretty consistently. Like he's hovering around the lottery. Like if a team falls in love with him or a team has a positional need, I could see him definitely going lottery. And as I'm watching him play, for a handful of reasons, um, he only played 21 games. There's only 223 possessions offensively to watch. Uh, he dealt with a suspension, um, dealt with an injury at USC. Um, and just watching him play in the actual games, I was like, okay, this guy's maybe one of the top 500 basketball players on the planet. I don't know. Um, but the position he plays, which is wing, which is ball handling, um, offensively, hyper offensively talented, but doesn't really know how to put it together wing. And so I've been uncomfortable with how we treat wings in the draft, um, compared to their actual like bang for your buck in their career. Like the first dude that I, I saw play in college, that went in the lottery or right around that I thought, okay, this guy's just getting drafted here because he plays this position and he doesn't have any of the trademarks um, or the DNA that these guys that they're trying to make him into um, was Kelly Oubre a couple of years ago. Yeah. I was like, coming out of Kansas, I was like, dude, if you just like did a random name generator and a player generator and you did six, seven wing from Kansas, started all these games, um, is coming out freshman season. If you if he scored zero points and had twenty five turnovers a game, like I don't know if that would change people's <laughs> perception of him. I'm like, how does this guy? He's like a five star recruit too. He's got right. the name value. Yes, and there's. I mean, he's a long, athletic dude. He, I mean, the part of it is he looks cool. He plays smooth. Like that's part of it to me. Um, and I was like, why are you telling me this guy's better than the guy at eighteen who plays center or point guard? And there's no real reason. Uh, it's because of his position and what people want to look at him and go, he could be like this guy. He could be like Kawhi or he could be like, you know, whatever your example wants to be because that position is so stinking valuable. If you it's think the quarterback of the, of the NBA. It is the quarterback of the NBA now. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, you might get a um, Jake Locke out of it. You know, you might get a Mariota out of it or you might – hit big and you might get a Jared Goff you're just taking that position because you need that position and because that position is valuable and if you start circling the names of who the best three and D players are in basketball right now um, and why they don't become free agents and why you can't add them to your team you're going to find a lot of the final eight teams in the league are right there if you start highlighting Chris Middleton okay yeah the Bucks are pretty stinking good huh uh, Kawhi Leonard fits that mold for sure. I mean, he's an extreme of it. He had that skill set and built off of it into, you know, superhuman basketball player he is now. But if you highlight the top eight 3 and D guys, I'm going to show you probably the top eight teams in basketball. So that position is so valuable, what we're, we're reaching for it at this point. So the whole dynamic of how we treat wings in the draft is if you're a freshman wing and you went to a good D1 school and you have some clout to your name and you're a five-star recruit, you're going top 17. That's just how it is. Yep. That's just where you're going to slot in the draft, whether or not you're good, whether or not you have a junk game, whether or not 
you know, you might be the best player in the draft. You're going top 17, man. Well, and guys like Ubre and Giannis, mm-hmm. uh, I think one thing that they kind of have in common, and this is something that could also uh, carry over to guys like Kevin Porter and Taylor Horton Tucker, who I'm going to talk about in a second, uh, it took them a while to develop. Mm-hmm. Like, Ubre had a sensational finish to this season. This yeah. is easily the best year of his career. He's a really He's good player now. He's still only 22, 23 years old, but I think that kind of similar to quarterbacks in the NFL you're drafting them to hope you hit on them mm-hmm. and you're okay with kind of like taking the time to develop right. them it's no longer just point guards and centers that need time to develop mm-hmm. it's these offensive playmaking wings mm-hmm. Luca and LeBron it's what makes them so rare and KD is that they were amazing from day one but if if you're not at their level teams are still going to take the chance on you to try and develop yeah. you because you could become one of the 10 or 15 players mm-hmm. in the NBA that are capable of doing what those guys do at 6'6 six, six plus. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so it's, it's those, I mean, in other sports there are positions like that, right? Goalie in the NFL. Those, those positions exist. It's it's pass rusher in the NFL. Um, whether or not you have the production or your game is clean and translatable. If you are went to a big school and you have the measurables and your arms are long and you can, you know, sharpen that edge, you're – Probably a first round. Clemson's guy. entire defensive line <laughs> winning, yeah. I think, the first round. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because the risk a lot of times is worth the reward. I'm telling you that it makes scouting those dudes. You're going to hear me say a lot of things about Kevin Porter Jr. that I don't like, that I think um, need to be ironed out of his game, and a lot of reasons why he shouldn't be probably a top 20, top 25 guy, and he has a lot to work on. But I'm full on acknowledging that he's probably going to go 15, 16. Somewhere mm-hmm. around that range. But also, if he were to be in the second round, yeah, then that, you got to do it. That's the I mean, risk that's, 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 that's worth the thing, taking. Yeah. That's the risk that's worth taking is if those dudes do sneak down um, outside of you know the top 20, um, that's where I'm way more comfortable. Uh, and I'm comfortable moving up for him to take a chance on him. Um, but Kevin Porter Jr. is probably the extreme to me. Um, so he, kind of shooting guard – not quite big enough, I would say, to to switch around and guard a three or a four in the post. So I kind of put the cap on. He's like a two, two and a half, um, but definitively a wing. Um, six, six, 220 pounds. Uh, what I loved about him was he was 89th percentile in transition. Um, what I hated about his numbers is obviously the 21 games, the suspension, the injury. Um, also 52% on free throws. That just tells me... You don't know how to shoot Small yet. Small sample, but still. Yeah, dev- tiny sample size for this guy. And that's frustrating, right? Yeah. But whenever you think about, if you haven't seen any of Kevin Porter Jr., you've never heard his name, I was really intrigued because, um, I mean, USC is just cool to me. Like, I think that's like a really cool school. And whenever, I, you know, you think of DeRozan, you think of uh, Vooch. You OJ think Mayo. OJ Mayo. It's just, it just has some clout to it. So I'm going to watch. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to show, I'm going to watch some USC guys, right? Um, because, and that's a very talented neck of the woods. I mean, Southern California, there are a lot of players that come through there. Um, so I've known of Kevin Porter Jr. for a while and wanted to get to know him more watching this. And they're just, there's only 21 games. So it's frustrating. But, and the sample size is tiny. But whenever you think of him, and if you haven't seen anything of him, if you don't know a lick about him other than what I've just told you, uh, think of if an 18 and a half year old, um, was athletic and gifted enough to play D1 basketball and his game is what an 18 and a half year old's uh representation of what he thinks James Harden does is 
So it's, it's a lot of raw offense, kind of. Yeah, it's it's Dollar General James Harden right now. And sometimes it's really pretty and it's fun and it works out and he makes, shoots four of seven from three uh, in a game. But a lot of times it's, uh, actually I don't know if he ever has done that. That was one of the notes I looked up. I was like, a lot of three of four from three games? There were like five games where he went three of four and I was like, man. And I don't love a shot. That's why I was surprised by that. But uh, I think every game in which he uh, shot more than five threes in that game, he shot below like 27 percent uh, so if he was yeah. making or missing he's he's trying to heat himself yeah up. he's getting them up yeah. yeah um so think of like a 19 year old imitating james harden that's what he looks like on mm. the court um i mean he's really thick for a 6'6 dude um powerful physical i kept thinking like how did you not go to kansas how are you not a Ubre josh jackson like hybrid type player um he's a lefty which is super interesting that brings a lot of James Harden comps automatically. Um, I think he's actually from uh, Seattle, so you don't get the SoCal mm. connection. But um, He does have a cool name, too. He does, yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Porter, Porter Jr. Jr. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That rolls off. KP like I said, only about 200-something possessions to work off of offensively, and you can watch them all and kind of see um, what he's about. And really confident shooter. Got a bit of a funky shot. Got some wrist action that's going on there that I'm like, that doesn't look like the ball went from point A to point B very easily. Yeah, it's never finished product. Though. Never. Um, he's fun when he gets around the basket. Very angry finisher. Like, he will throw down extremely hard. Very good in transition, like I said earlier. Um, physical with the ball, kind of looks for the contact. I mean, Harden, right? Mm. Uh, he's kind of a bull. Tries to draw the contact constantly. Doesn't. It's hard watching these dudes and watching college referees. And I'm like... Yeah, that's a foul. Yeah. You know, that's that doesn't he's shooting two right now. He's not mm-hmm. on the floor and a fast break went the other way. Yeah. It's just not the quality the NCAA would probably like right now, just honestly. Um kind of sloppy, kind of bad handle to him. Um not a good passer in any way right now. Gotta work on that. Uh big fan of the pull up three, despite not really being a great pure three point shooter. He'll do it though. Yeah, he'll do it. Um Operates kind of in his own world on offense a lot of times. Um, he gets the ball, and it just doesn't really go anywhere else except for uh, between the legs, step back, lefty, off-balance three. Um, they're kind of – the whole rest of the offense will be in there doing their own thing, and he's kind of hanging out in the corner trying to get somebody to throw him a lob, um, which is which is good because he's always like kind of engaged offensively, mm-hmm. but it's almost like detrimental to – it's engaged in a sense of like – I need ball. Like, mm. give me the ball now. Um, is uh, like I don't know if he knows what the goal of each like play they're running is. <laughs> like, I don't know if he's like, okay, ball moves there, and then the ball moves there, and then I should probably create some space by sliding up to the top of the arc. And he missed a lot of games. He missed time. He missed practice time as well. You know, it's only 21 games, and he got suspended and was hurt. So, understandable. Um, but turnover prone. Uh, a lot of offensive fouls because he's really bullish. Runs in there, lower his shoulder, runs straight through a dude, um, and uh, there's the talent is obviously there, man. You'll see him make some between the legs step back threes, and you're like, "What is that I'm looking at?" Mm. Um, but then he'll do it like three more times where he's off balance and someone's in his face, and you're like, "The shot selection is it's a lot to work on." But obviously, a wing of that size and that offensive skill set and that you know he's got a name um he's like a five-star kid well something like that is kind of worth taking a chance on he just needs yeah. some seasoning and so sure. if you're 
let's say, well, I mean, uh, there's like very strict tampering rules that we can't go around, but let's say you're a good team that has a higher pick than you maybe should. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's worth taking a chance on a guy like that. Yeah. Let him play, you know, let him get some developmental time maybe in the G League. You know, it's like it's worth doing something like that. Mm-hmm. But what happens, I think, a lot of times with these guys, and maybe it happened to Ubre, I don't know, is they're taken and then, like, thrown out there, yeah. given heavy minutes before they're ready, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, this guy's not good, but it's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, he will be in three years. Just you got to right. take some time. It's kind of mm-hmm. like starting a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Um, you got to take your lumps. Yeah. And so it's either, you know, if it's – I guess it's how patient are you willing to be mm-hmm. as the team, and are you going to put this guy in an unfair position, drafting him yeah. ninth overall and giving him thirty-five minutes a game, and just yeah. know, before he's ready for it? Those teams that have that those bundles of picks, your second pick of that, you know, I don't I can't remember the exact teams that have a dude in that or a pick in that range mm-hmm. where it's their second pick, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, for sure. Where it's, if you, you, know, if you have 17 and you're like, I already took the guy I know can contribute next year, and um, I'm just trying to play the highest upside upside card. Like, yeah, it's risk versus reward. That's Pretty low guy. risk if you got multiple picks, or if if you you don't need this guy to hit in order to mm-hmm. become a dynasty or anything. Yeah, um, it's kind of the same. What you're saying about Porter is the same kind of way that I feel about Taylor Horton Tucker. So mm-hmm. he's a guy who, in all these mocks, like pretty vast range yeah. of uh, of placements and mocks. I mean, depending on who you read, like Sam Vecini is like super low on him. Yep. And then Jonathan Charks, who is uh, the Mavs Podcast Network's own, yeah. uh, he is super high on him. He has Shark him ranked attack. like 13th or 14th on his board. Like everybody at the mm-hmm. ringer loves this guy. Uh, in ESPN, I think he's ranked like 28th or 31st mm-hmm. or something like in that range. Um, maybe the, the biggest uh, kind of spectrum of mock mm-hmm. draft finishes that I've seen on anybody that I've ever really paid attention to for since sure. I started doing this. Um, born in the year 2000. Wow. First, which is, is very uh, upsetting to me. I am so washed. We old, man. Uh, he is a freshman from Iowa State. Uh, doesn't turn 19 until July. Averaged 12 points, five boards. Uh, shot 31% on four and a half, three-point attempts per game. Mm. But this is, the, this is the source of that percentage. So catch and shoot. Like, if you're going to play in the NBA, you're going to be a 3 and D wing. Maybe you're not doing a lot of creating. you got to be able to catch and shoot, right? He can do that. Took 73 spot-up threes this year. Shot 37%. That's very good. Okay. Very good. Uh, 37%, but 31% on the season. So where does that come from? Yeah, what's the – Well, he took – How do the numbers balance out? Yeah, there? he took 74 jump shots off the dribble. Oh, no, it's going to be like 26, made isn't 19 it? 19 of them. Oh, no. So you're shooting literally 25% oh, God. on off-the-dribble jump shots. And so that's where it's like, okay, as a coach, you got to limit those, right? And mm-hmm. in the NBA, that will not be something that will – like I doubt that he will be empowered from the time yeah. he takes the floor as a rookie to do that sort of thing. As a coach, you've got to say, hey, man, like at Iowa State, like don't do that. You're hurting yeah. yourself. Yeah, You know, if he would – if and and that's like I don't know if that's an issue with the player. I don't know if that's an issue mm. with the coach. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know t- enough they about college basketball. They probably needed a lot of offense out of him. You yeah, know what I, mean? I mean, could be. But I mean, you watch him, and, and the shot selection is a little shoddy. But at the mm-hmm. same time, he's 18 years old, so that's that's to be yeah. expected. Uh, pretty talented kid. Uh, he's six foot four, but he's got a seven foot one wingspan. That's crazy. Yeah, so I heard that the other day. He's got the he's got the big dimensions. That's good, but six foot four is not great size. That's no. that's in shoes. Uh, that's my Matthews is six foot four. Yeah. So you're playing two 
but he's built like a linebacker, man. Yeah. I was watching the the first time I turned on an Iowa State game, I was watching him and I was like, okay, he's the he's probably their second tallest player out there behind their big guy. So he's probably like six, seven, six, eight. Now <laughs> I see why Charks likes him so much. Look at that. He's huge, but he, it's just because he's so thick. I mean, he's really? like he's built like a tank. Um, chubby guy? Is this, I, I, is this I don't know about Chubby I, athlete outlier? I don't, I don't know what his body fat percentage is, but um, I just know, man, I mean, he's not the quickest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think maybe either cutting weight or playing up, like playing four could be good. Um, but, I mean, he's a dynamite athlete, obviously. Um, he's still only 18 years old, great catch and shoot player. 37% is awesome, uh, for an 18 year old to come in the league, six foot four, uh, rugged defender, not afraid. And he's got some, I mean, he's got some ball skills, some creative, uh, creative ability, um, averaged was this two assists per game, uh, despite not really having the ball a whole lot. Uh, they had a uh, point guard and another another wing there. I forget their names. It's been a while since I watched him. He was the first guy I watched. But uh, they had some other players that did a lot of their scoring for him. So for him to get – and he had one game where he had like seven, eight assists. I watched it. It was pretty good. Uh, kind of took apart his own. So, I mean, he can play. Uh, the question is, what is he What is he going to play, mm-hmm. right? Is he a two? Is he a four? Because he's kind of like built like a four, but he's tall like a two. Mm-hmm. Um is he going to spot up for you, or are you going to ask him to create? Because the creative ability is not really there, and if he can't do that, at least right away, that limits mm-hmm. his draft value, I think, because Kevin Porter can shoot, and he will shoot. Yeah. Taylor Horton Tucker will shoot, but the the efficiency hasn't quite caught up yet. So that's mm-hmm. why I think he could fall a little bit. Now, if you get a 6'4 guy with a 7'1 wingspan who's a really good defender, big-time athlete, a tank. and yeah. an awesome spot-up shooter, then that guy's going in the first round. So I can mm. see why people are so high on him. I can also see why maybe they're not. Yeah. Um, so that I, I don't know. That was just very fascinating to me, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the wing stuff earlier because uh, he definitely fits that mold of, like, this guy could be the 13th pick, but he could mm-hmm. also be the 43rd pick. It just yeah. depends on what teams – need but well, there, uh, there's a team somewhere in there that'll really like his dimensions and like yeah. that his he's he's thick and he can probably play with force a little bit like mm. what i think of with that dude um just knowing the tiny bit about him is like you go out there he plays 15 minutes a night his rookie season and you're like spot up and play with force nothing else yeah go run around like a maniac yeah that's you yeah that's you right now and you're gonna do it for 15 minutes and i want you to play until exhaustion with with that frame, with that build, if that's all he does, but then you start creeping into okay, he's got some bad bad habits of yeah. But were pull-ups. those habits or were those yeah? Was that part of the design of the system? Yeah, that's kind of impossible. Because in college, you're taking seventy four spot uh, seventy four jumpers off the dribble. That's two per game, yeah. three per game. You know, I mean, that's a lot. Um, imagine kind of Justin Anderson really is mm-hmm. what Taylor Horton Tucker is except he's an 18 year old version of him Simba was I think 21 22 when he came out mm-hmm. so uh that's the kind of player I think that he could be just like big energy big body big frame crazy athlete can he develop that consistent jump shot and give you a little something more mm-hmm. and if he can which at only 18 years old you think he can then he's worth a pick for sure yeah I think people get like Sam Vecini get frustrated with him because it's 
he just doesn't quite fit into anything that the really good teams are doing. Mm. Um, but the thing about good teams is they kind of build their structure around their talent. So I could see a dude like that. Like, I don't know. People got weird skill sets on both of these ti- uh, the championship teams that played for it. Yeah, right? Imagine watching Draymond at Michigan State <laughs> yeah, thinking like, he will be an indispensable member of a dynasty. Like, what? No. Yeah, no way. I mean, same for like Pascal. Like, he didn't have what he had has right now for a long time. Mm. Like, he was kind of like stiff and he didn't have much wiggle to him and he didn't have a move around the basket. And it's so, I don't know. You give those dudes time to develop with a good team and they figure out a way to use them and maybe there's something there. Yeah. Uh, next up on my list is kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum mm-hmm. from Taylor Horton Tucker. It's uh, Matisse Thibel from Washington. He's a senior. He is basically like the fully realized defender. Okay. Uh, the big comp for him, I guess, is Andre Roberson. Roberson because mm. he is dynamite on defense. Great dimension. Six foot six, seven foot one wingspan. Uh, started every game at Washington, uh, but just thirty percent on threes this season. Mm. Uh, played 31 minutes a game. He was the only player in college, okay, to average two steals and two blocks per game, but wow. he averaged three steals. Wow. So <laughs> he is awesome. Um, you got to play crazy man defense if your name is Matthias Theibel. Yeah, though. Matthias Theibel, man. You sound like a like Maple Leafs defenseman. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Washington, uh, their, their head coach, Mike Hopkins, came from Syracuse. And so they play that 2-3 zone. zone. And even though Thibel is – I mean, he's like a, a wing, but he was playing the guard spot in the zone. So he was playing okay. on top. And a lot of the what – what is the way that every college team wants to beat the zone is by bringing the big man, one of, the, one of your posts, because every college team still plays two big men for some reason, <laughs> bring one of them up to the free throw line into that elbow area and then either shoot from there, drive, or pass out, right? Yeah. So Washington would, like, play this real kind of, like – they play a little more aggressive, I think, than Syracuse would, where the ball would be on one side and they would just like flood that side of the floor, just overloaded. And and Thibel would drop off of whoever's at the top of the arc and just take away that middle guy. And if the middle guy did get the ball, he would block jump shots from behind. He gets hands in passing lanes. He's just like super active, really smart guy, heady guy, a really good rebounder. Even though he only averaged three per game, it's because he was usually like contesting shots, stealing balls mm-hmm. to not get them. But whenever he tried to get them, he would get them. He's just like he's an energy guy, a motor guy. Um, he shot 38 percent during his first three seasons at Washington from three, but just 30 percent this year. Hmm. I don't know what changed. They had a lot of upperclassmen on that team. So like it's not like it was new guys all around him that were he was getting worse shots. But uh, he just for whatever reason, it dropped off. And he is, what, he's a senior, so he's probably 22 years old or something. Um, but I don't know why he would go in the second round. A guy like him, way too good defensively to fall that far. Uh, but the three-point shot kind of betrayed him this season, and Washington got off to a great start and then kind of fizzled out down the stretch. So maybe that hurt him a little bit. Um, but, I mean, he's a six foot six guy who plays crazy defense, shot 76% at the rim, and shot 38% for three years before this year. So, like... He is a player that literally every team in the NBA could use. Yeah, Polished guy, big-time defender, doesn't care about touching the ball. It's never interested him on offense. Like, Just put him out there, play defense, go crazy, block a shot, get a steal, make an impact, and uh, come sit down. I mean, Interesting. I, I think he's, he's awesome. I would be shocked if he made it to the second round, but if he does, then he is definitely someone that a team will be very happy to get. Hmm. Interesting player. Um, 
Yeah, whenever those dudes are like exact prototypes, like I feel like he's almost an exact prototype, like Roberson, you know, fill in the blank, dude that runs out there and raises hell, uh, Luke in Bob Mute. Yeah. Um, PJ Tucker. Yeah. I mean, he's PJ. like probably the best example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like all those dudes came like either undrafted free agency almost or super late. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that feeds into like a bad notion that I can sign that kind of guy off the street or something like that. But um, that's an interesting prototype to throw in the mix. Um, I have my next player is uh, Mafandu Kabinjele. And this dude, <laughs> he was really fun to watch. Uh, center from Florida State, 6'10", with a 7'3", wingspan. Nephew of Dikembe Mutombo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. He's from Canada. But yeah. uh, his mom is sister's uh, sister of Dikembe Mutombo, uh, which is interesting. Uh, was a six-man. For some reason, Florida State just couldn't figure out a way to work him into the starting lineup. And that kind of explains uh, a lot of his temperament whenever you watch him like i'm like this guy's flying around like he's insane and i'm like oh he's playing 22 minutes a night i get, I get it okay mm. um and he was sixth man of the year for whatever uh acc uh that florida state plays florida in. state had a really really good year right this yeah year? they were good yeah. they were good they got eventually knocked out by uh gonzaga okay um in the tournament and no watch, shame in that watching him play against uh Rui and uh brandon clark was pretty interesting um defensively but never started a game in his college career wow. sophomore um the stat i loved was 63 percent on unguarded catch and shoots uh for a big man which is awesome yeah um stat i didn't um is well i didn't have one i didn't i think it was the starts that were starting a game like why can't you get in the lineup there was no numbers that were in his his profile that were like oh man this is scary for a 610 center that's high energy because he plays so powerful i'm like Okay, if he doesn't shoot above 32% from three, whatever. Was there starting big man like an upperclassman? I think he was, yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah. that could that could be – Leonard Hamilton is the coach there, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I guess Jonathan Isaac started for them as a freshman. Yeah. But generally, like, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just a the incumbent guy just keeps the job. Yeah, I couldn't explain it um, because for a college program, like, he's like a pretty perfect college center right now. Mm. Um, just what is the, he's six ten and what six ten seven three wingspan. Oh wow! Um, the other that's cool in itself and like, um, but some of these numbers and some of the stuff he measured at the combine and stuff like that is like, okay, it raises your eyebrow a little bit and you realize why he's creeping into the lottery mm. uh, at a rapid. He's pace. getting that high, huh? Yeah, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Um, extremely high energy, high motor guy. Um, throws his body around like he just he just doesn't care like he's either going to go through you to get this rebound or to get this shot off um very rare to see a guy that size willing to throw his his entire weight around um shoots the three pretty well like he looks kind of normal out there shooting a three and he'll he'll shoot it he'll launch like he will two three feet back of the line like he's like i got the ball you know what this is going up right now and he looks normal it doesn't look like a seven three wingspan shooting a three so his mechanics look normal to me um doesn't sound like a second round guy no not at all but uh, he was originally he was originally absolutely man yeah 37 percent on 91 attempts from wow. three are you serious yeah Jeez, uh last man. 16 games of the season 39 percent on nearly three attempts a game um 
the problem or some of the downside is once he touches the ball, it's not going anywhere else. Mm. And there's not a lot of advancing the ball. Like if he gets it at the wing, there's it's either a shot or it's going to be a shot. It's a jump shot. It's not a not a one-two dribble, create, spin off somebody. Um, like complete contrast to a guy we'll talk about a little bit later is Nick Claxton, who's similar size. Weight is way different, obviously, because Nick Claxton is not thick in any way. Mm. But Nick Claxton would catch the three-point line, and he will work you with a dribble and cross yeah. you over. It's weird to see for a dude that lanky. Mm. Kevin J. Lay is the opposite. Like he catches the ball, and I'm going to shoot this three, or I'm kicking it right back out. Bad shooter. Oh, a bad, uh, bad passer overall. Okay. Overall, bad passer, and that might be why he doesn't ever pass the ball. Mm. But he never passes the ball. Like if he gets it anywhere close to the paint, it's uh, it's one two dribbles. I'm gonna put a little weight into you. and I'm gonna do a fadeaway, and he can go on stretches where he'll miss about five of those in a row. Um, the shot selection really isn't there. Um, but also, he's a really good worker. Like he's gonna seal you early. And he's so big and so strong. Like, the strength is the number one thing that uh, impressed me just watching him consistently. Like, minute to minute, he plays heavy and strong. Like, he's going to throw you around. Uh, you're going to feel it. And I feel like that's something throughout these playoffs we kind of learned that we never take into account, like, overall strength for NBA players. Like, that's never, like, a top five thing you talk about. I feel like this playoffs – it's kind of, okay, overall IQ, headiness on the court is something we were like, oh, yeah, we don't talk about that enough. And then it was like strength. Raptors Warriors was a slugfest. Dude, just overall just being stronger than hell. Mm. Like Kawhi, that dude is a freak. Yeah. Like he is so strong throughout. I mean, I get why his quad was hurt because that dude is just like puts so much force on every part of his body whenever he plays. Um but he'll get down there and he'll he'll seal you quick and there's no, you're you're in no man's land you're in jail. He's so big and he's so strong and he's just wide like he's just a wide center, um, super physical like I said, um, almost annoyingly hyped at times, like wanting the ball mm. or wanting to uh, get the ball on the block or out on the three point line. He's excited. He's very ramped up, dude. You can like feel him like calling for the ball mm. like whenever you're watching. You're like. He's on the three-point line, and he's, like, clapping his hands, like, ball, 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 <laughs> um, I wonder if that could be, like, coach just saying, man, you're the microwave guy. Yeah. Go out there and just get get him up. Maybe. Get him up, you know. Plays out of control quite a bit, especially when trying to get to his shot. The shot selection, like I said, was bad. Um, not just – not bad in, like, area of the court that you're shooting. A lot of it's just, like, timing. I'm like, okay, it's 45 seconds left in the game. They're – up two, and he just kind of gets the ball and shoots a turnaround. Really Gotta get that two for one, man. <laughs> that really, like a really impossible shot for a guy that size, which is like one, two foot jump, shoot the ball at the perfect moment. I'm turning around when my elbows are square to the basket. Like it's a tough shot for anybody, but for a dude that size, it's like, man, that's not a good look right now. Mm. Um, let's see. Oh, he'll, he'll definitely throw the ball at the basket when facing the other way. <laughs> okay. okay. He's like dribbling at the at the rim and he can't quite get his shoulders turned around the guy. Like he'll just do give you one of those and not one of them went in, but um <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um 
He's like, I'm close to the basket. I'm supposed to throw the ball up now, right? Yeah. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, not a pick and roll man or dive guy in any way. He's not. He's not your old man mm. for whatever reason. I don't know if they didn't use him. A lot of that's a big bugaboo for me in college in general. Like we'll talk about Gafford later. Yeah, and I'm I, like, I got one of those too. I'm like Gafford is the pick and roll guy to me. Uh, besides, you know, the top Zion or whoever you want to throw in the top ten. If there's a guy that I see in this draft or a guy that I've watched that I'm like, I know where you fit in day one. Mm. Um, and they didn't use Gafford that much in the pick and roll. It's his college in general doesn't use pick and roll dives nearly as much um, as they will in the NBA. Um, I do think he would legit like steal the ball from a teammate if he <laughs> if he thought if he thought he could get a better look. Um, and then uh, a lot of time he was operating around the elbow, and I'm like, you know how this ends. Like he's gonna take a low percentage bad shot right now. Like why are you using him around there? To facilitate because a lot of times when guys operate in the, around that elbow they're gonna run a high low game on you right they're just front they're just flashing and showing to catch the ball to turn around because they know the action behind them what's happening they're gonna pivot i mean like the first play that the mavs ran for about 300 games with tyson chandler was that x play right mm. where they would double screen off of tyson basically as he's holding the ball at the top of the elbow or top of the key and he would pick which guy used the screen better basically and just dump the ball down mm. Uh, Kevin Jaylay catches the ball in the elbow. That shot is going up within two seconds. It's either a tough turnaround jumper that he usually doesn't make. And the U- I think it was a UCF game, the one before the Gonzaga game. Dude, he was making all of them. It was insane. I was like, those shots are so tough. Like, mm. stop taking them. And then he's like, buckets, buckets, buckets. I'm like, okay, man. You got some touch to you. He had it cooking. And, uh, but it's never going anywhere else. The ball gets to him and it's 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 up. It's a shot attempt. So turnover percentage is obviously low. Mm-hmm. But he's going to get yelled at quite a bit, man. Um he's going to frustrate somebody. Well, if he plays that way. Yeah. That's another thing. I mean, right. With that stuff, we just don't know what that could be system. Yeah. It could be. It's um but 61073 wingspan plays harder than hell. Seems to be a really fiery likable guy like every every time he would dunk or make a bucket everybody's like amped up um and a dude that size and that he's strength like sala yeah yeah and that i mean his he's got rare um he's just a rare human like he's that big that size the speed isn't quite you know he's not a speed guy at all he's gonna probably try to dominate your backup big he's not gonna beat anybody with his quicks but the shooting was like something I was not expecting. Yeah, I was not expecting him to just, hey, I'm wide open from 28 feet. This thing's going up, and he made a lot of them. Um, very fascinating player to watch. Fun watch because there's no waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it's balls going in, he balls going business. up. Yeah, he's yeah. he gets to it. He gets to work, man. Mm. He puts in the numbers, but uh, yeah, fascinating guy, and I see why people love him. Why he's creeping up the list. So. Mm. That's my fondue cabin, Jaylay, from there you go. Florida States. Should I go uh, fellow big or should I go about as small as it gets? Uh, go small because my next guy's a big. Go small. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go small. Uh, one of the – one of the I, I know NBA players don't like being called small, but he is one of the shortest players in okay. the draft. That is uh, Carson Edwards. Yeah. Carson my Edwards dude. with the big hair. I love him. That, that makes him six feet tall, although I will say – uh, measured at six feet in shoes at the combine, and they don't add height at the combine. Yeah. So he is a legit six foot tall. Um, 
has a six foot six wingspan though and a thirty four yeah. inch vertical. So he's he's a <laughs> also uh, my my funniest Carson Edwards note. Apparently they do bench reps at the combine. Yeah, and he finished tied for sixth for most yes. bench reps. Uh, dude, he is built like freaking Bob Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> the cold <laughs> he safety. Is. He is. He even has the hair too. Dude, he's like six foot and he's just like, what's up? Yeah, he's like Yogi. Yeah, I mean Yogi would Yogi could kill someone. Dude, he's a monster and he launches his body around. I love yeah. watching Carson Edwards yeah. play. Yeah, uh, so tied for sixth. There were players of the combine that did one. Yeah, he did two, and he his did vert wasn't that good at the combine, which thirty-four kind of inches, me out. which isn't that great. But Dude, I think we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, so you probably know if if you're a tournament person, uh, you know mm-hmm. who Carson Edwards is. If you're a Big Ten person, you know who Carson Edwards is. Uh, if you're the average NBA fan, you might not. From Houston, I think. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, not from the city, but from a, a the, the suburb. Yeah, of Houston. yeah. Our intern said he played against him. He, our intern is a liar. Yeah. Uh, so Carson got, got Edwards. Got owned by him. Yeah, yeah. Here's his stat profile. Uh, pay attention until the end because something might raise your eyebrows. So he averaged 24 points per game, one yeah, of the top yeah, scorers yeah. in the country, three and a half rebounds, three assists on uh, 39, 35, 83 splits, 84 mm. splits, I guess. Uh, averaged uh, 3.1 turnovers. 39% from three? Thirty-five and a half oh, okay. percent from three. Sorry. Uh, Thirty-nine from the field. Oh, okay. Three point one turnovers, which if you keep it score at home, that's more than assists. <laughs> uh, played thirty-five minutes per game. Took ten and a half threes per game. <laughs> all of his numbers are love it. They're all outrageous yeah. because you got to understand. <laughs> Purdue this season went all the way to what the elite eight. I yeah. think. Yeah. They had, uh, I believe. They lost three starters off that team at least. They might have even lost a fourth. I didn't check from his sophomore season. As a sophomore, Edwards was incredible. Yeah. All of his numbers were way, way more efficient. But he came back for his junior season. They lost Vince Edwards, who's on a two-way contract. Mm-hmm. Isaac Haas is in the G League. Dakota Mathias, he's in Spain playing in the ACB, which is one this of the best leagues out. in the world. Uh, yeah, he's just hanging out in Madrid. Uh, <laughs> Not a bad place to be. You lose three, like borderline NBA caliber players. Yeah, you're gonna struggle. Yeah, uh, and he struggled efficiency wise. You know, shooting under forty percent from the field and mm-hmm. uh, shooting thirty five percent on threes, which is about average, maybe slightly above average for college, but on loads of attempts, uh, it was because he had all of the responsibility, had all of the defensive attention. So much so that. Uh, he only had one teammate the whole season who averaged at least six shots per game. Whoa. One teammate took wow. six-plus shots per game. Okay, Not the most well-balanced roster ever. Uh, a lot of inexperienced big men. Uh, and it's just going to – that's that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're the, you're the smallish guard who is trying to carry the team, and he dragged their butts all the way to, I believe, the Elite Eight, but maybe just the Sweet 16. Don't remember. I would need to look it up. There's no way to find out. Uh, how far they went. No, I can Google it. Oh, okay. Uh, there's just no way. Um, so kind of like, I mean, the pluses of a guy that is that size that scores 24 points per game is that he is fun as hell to watch. He will put up shots from literally everywhere on the floor. Uh, took a ton of NBA range threes, uh, and he hit 36.4% of them. So he actually shot a higher percentage on NBA threes than he did on college threes. Which makes you kind of, it adds credence to the idea that, like, man, it was just because he had no help. Like, when he's playing in space, he can get him up and he's really good. But 
playing the college three, you're like two, three feet closer to the rim. You got way more hands in your face and a guy that size that's going to make a difference. Elite eight, yeah. Yeah, elite eight, okay. And, I mean, I'm no disrespect to his teammates, but that's as close to a one-man team as you'll see in college. Yeah. I mean, he was their guy. And in the tournament, he had 40-point games. I mean, he went nuts. Um, kind of one of the knocks against him, I guess, um, is – his shooting teams against his shooting numbers against the top teams. So he played Michigan State twice, shot a combined seven of thirty-five. Played Maryland twice, or maybe even three times, shot twelve of forty-two against Maryland, shot seven of twenty-one against Michigan. Uh, he had multiple three of sixteens. He had a four of twenty-four. He had a seven of thirty-one uh, shooting <laughs> game from the field this <laughs> seven season. Of 31. Seven of thirty-one. But again, love it. And I'm not trying to make fun of the the Ryan Klein, who was their number two scorer. <laughs> But our sales guy? No, no, no. They're, they literally Ryan Klein. Uh, he was their number two guy. He just didn't have a whole lot of help. And so, whenever you're going up against teams that have NBA caliber guards and NBA caliber wings that are going to be sending double teams your way all the time, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. But once he made it to the tournament, man, he hit a stride. He averaged 35 points per game in the tournament. Uh, he hit 46 percent of his threes. Uh, he just lit the world on fire, and I think that kind of reminded people that, holy crap, this guy can play. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just looked at his regular season numbers and his performance, and Purdue was kind of like, okay, you know, they, you'd be like, all right, maybe not an NBA player, maybe mm-hmm. he should be on a two-way deal. And then you go to the tournament, and you start cooking all these good teams. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. If he would have come out last year, he would have been a first-round pick. Uh, there's no reason that he should go in the second round this year. So. Yeah. Uh, that kind of I wanted him to come out last year really bad because yeah. I, I had that thirty third pick. I was like, "Yeah, I remember." My guy. I remember people talking about him. It. It might have even been you that mentioned him last year. He was in my draft guide, and then he pulled out of the combine for yep. some reason. I don't know if he got bad feedback or whatever it was. Could be. Could and he be. was he was definitely in my my draft guide last year, and I had to x him out. Yeah, and I mean, to his credit, he went on the run to back it up, and so yep. now I think he might be a first round pick. I could see teams that need offense drafting him i saw one mock that had him going in the teens even or like to wherever utah is i think like Mm -hmm. maybe 22 or 21 wherever they are uh i mean he can get buckets he's jamal crawford he's lou williams he's like that level of scorer Mm -hmm. uh he shoots like steph from steph range uh and with i mean 36 percent from nba range and he was taking like 30 footers and making them too i mean he is a big time bucket getter um He's he's baby Westbrook. Yeah, but he's not. He, well, I, this is unfair to him to say he didn't put up the assist numbers. Yeah, last season. That's true. But that's because he wasn't playing with guys that would shoot. He'd pass it to them. They'd give it back. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see what he could do in a system where he's surrounded by more talent, uh, because he's his shot selection will naturally be better. Mm-hmm. He's going to naturally be facing less attention, uh, and so he'll be getting better looks. So you'd think that he'd be able to make them more efficiently. But, I mean, a guy like him, he is fearless. He will throw himself at the basket. Very crafty around the rim. Finishing among the trees. Um, he's just awesome, man. He's he is a he's a little spark plug guy, lightning bug. Uh, but he, he plays bigger than his size, and he can absolutely fill it up. So, yeah. um, again, I, I'm not sure he'll make it to the second round, but he is – really 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 good and yeah. so if he is then it's like all right what do we got to do to to get him on a team he's a fun watch man yeah i fell in love with him last year i was like i don't know if this team's that good um did he single-handedly led them to the elite eight yeah 
Yeah. And I, if he came out last year, I think he probably would already have a role on a very good team mm-hmm. where he's, uh, you know, heating it up off the bench for fill-in-the-blank Detroit or somebody. And yeah. just he's a real building block core of their their plan going forward, like J.J. Perea has been for us forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Just someone you just look over to and you go, you know what? I'm not worried about second-team offense. Like, that dude's got it. Uh, he's awesome. I love Carson Edwards. Yep. He's uh, one of my favorite players to watch um, over the last couple of years. So the next dude that I wanted to jump into was, uh, I think, a late addition to all the mix, um, but he finally decided to jump in, was Nick Claxton, um, the center from Georgia, 6'11", uh, 220 pounds. I think that is an exaggeration on the weight. Um in the positive or negative direction? Uh, you're trying to be skinny. You're trying to be bigger. To me, it's a negative. I think he's probably like 205. Okay, so he is he, a he's he is a thin a boy. Well, yeah. What what grade? What year? Uh, second year, I believe. Sophomore year. Uh, Nick Claxton. Um, yeah, he, he's just kind of a giant rail. Um, a lot of the time. So think of the limitations that throws your way. Um, in terms of, uh, strength, athleticism. Um, in terms of an explosive way, like violent athleticism. Um, and then just rebounding's fine because he's really, really long. Um, but you just can't get to some balls because people are going to muscle you out of the way, right? So That's the classic big man yeah. thing. Got to yeah. add weight. Right. You, and it's impo- I mean, being a big man nowadays is impossible. That's why the good ones are so fun to watch and so cool and so valuable. You got to be fast. You got to be able to beat people with your feet. You got to be able to carve out space to get rebounds. You got to be able to jump. You got to be able to shoot now. Like, what other position has to do all these (laughs) things? Like, what are we doing? Um, But that's what the modern big man is. That's why they're unicorns. That's why there's only a couple of them. And there are people that fit in around the fringes. Um, You know, your Capellas, your Gobert's that are still extremely valuable, but they only do certain things, right? They only check a couple of those boxes. so, yeah, he kind of looks like, you know, when a puppy's not quite grown and his feet are way too big for his body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of what Nick Claxton looks like running okay. around. Um, what surprised me was, I mean, you see the guy and you build this structure in your mind, right, of what exactly this guy's going to be. And, okay, whenever he fails at this, I expected him to fail at this. What freaked me out was, like, he must have hit a giant growth spurt because he's got a handle, like pretty nice like he will start the offense type handle that's um, awesome at 611 and every college big that would try and close out on him he'll shoot threes too which is pretty cool but he'd, he'd be along the perimeter and they'd swing it to him ball would find him a college big would try and close out on him not like the craziest hardest close out just like two steps forward dude he's gonna cross you over and get into the paint and he doesn't have that many moves once he gets into the paint. Like, he has, like, one. He kind of does what Giannis does, which is um, I'm just covering so much space with my two dribbles, and now I'm putting my foot in the ground, and I'm spinning, and I'm going to my left hand because he's left-handed. Okay. Um, okay. So he's going to get around close to the restricted area. He's going to put his foot in the ground, and he's going to spin to open up to go to his left hand. But when you're 6'11", and I don't even know what his arm, uh, arm length is, but um, – Whenever you're that size and you have that mobility and that kind of wiggle, I mean, you saw Giannis do it 400 times this season. Nobody can stop it. Nobody can stop a hesitation, dribble Seven, attack. Seven, two and a half wingspan, sorry. Yeah. 
Uh, a dribble hesitation, smooth spin to create an open look and uh, create space from a guy that size. You just can't stop it. Um, unless you're Toronto and you pack the paint every single time you come down the court and find a solution uh, to beat Giannis. But a lot of the off-the-dribble stuff, I'm like, that's Giannis not built out. It's like baby Giannis. Does he have range? I mean, what is what is there that's missing or could be misconstrued about his game to make him available in that range? Not strong enough. Um, and the three, he shoots them, but they're not – it's not a part of his game yet. Like it's a little funky. It kind of looks like, I don't know. It's like a guy that's, uh, the ball doesn't look like it's part of his body. Whenever he's shooting it, it's kind of like up here, like dangling and his body will do the motion. And then the ball comes out and it's just kind of, he knows how to shoot it. Well, like I've seen him like shooting. I'm like, yeah, that's a no waste in motion. That's going in. But whenever he gets a little tired or a little out of sorts, like his mechanics get real funky. Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, really bad form sometimes on the shots was one of my, uh, one of my notes here. Bad passer. Um, he just kind of does the bailout that you'll see a lot in like pickup basketball, whenever you're like in the lane and you see somebody open and you just like almost throw it at their feet. Hmm. Like he'll leave the ball low a lot. Um, and it, he might not understand what like a good pass is cause he just doesn't have to do it a lot. Um, very intriguing player uh, to watch. If you want to watch one of the one of his games and just be like, "Yo, why is this guy not in the top 20? The Florida game, he ate Florida alive. I don't know if they didn't have like a long enough defender. Dude, he would just dribble attack, one two in the ground, spin to the left hand, and they had no answer, nothing. Uh, the strength is a real issue, as I said. Um, he does go to the same move over and over, like Giannis, like we talked about. Um, started some pick and rolls as the ball handler, which is like... It's pretty awesome. What's going on right now? Mm. Uh, very quick first step for his size and how lanky and how just kind of overall goofy he looks. Um, He's got dreads, right? He got dreads, yeah. Kind of yeah. pulled back. Um, oh, okay, okay. Uh, switchable defensively. And the other part of the coin, which... Is he kind of like DJ Wilson? Um... Man, I haven't watched enough DJ Wilson. DJ Wilson shoots a lot of threes, I feel. He's, so, Claxton's more around the basket. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he wants to get around the basket. Like, he'll stand out there and spot up. Mm. Um, the other part of it that draws you in that you're like, okay, this guy's pretty valuable is he's a good rim protector. I think it's like two and a half blocks a game. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, had two last year, so it's not like he just, like, developed it and learned how to do that. But not not a twitchy athlete laterally so you have the same worries that you do about like Mo Bamba whenever Bamba was blocking like five shots a game you're like well yeah how is he going to get to the other side of the lane in the league and challenge this ball but so the things you can correct to me um over a handful of years whenever you come into the league is obviously strength and and your shooting and those are the two things that I don't really like about him um so I'm like in a couple of years Nick Claxton's going to be a problem he's a very intriguing player like not not as put together right now and as like i see where you work at this moment as uh kevin jaylay is from the center position but nick claxton's gonna gonna make somebody some money because he's a very intriguing skillsy type of player for that size and there just aren't dudes like him i guess it's kind of like i mean to localize it a little bit like ray spaulding yeah, tall, lanky guy with loads of skill that you just need to kind of mm -hmm. 
wait wait a little bit for. Yeah, Ray you know. was always kind of well in Ray's limited time here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time he put the ball on the floor, I was like, "There's no purpose to it, really." It was kind of he just well, was a young guy. I mean, yeah, he just didn't really have a handle. Yeah, um, and he'd be like on a fast break. I mean, the one moment I remember Ray was being on a fast break and like dribbling it out of bounds, which is yeah, sad. He also had a couple really nice plays that made him some money too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, so Claxton's a little farther along. Oh, he's got a he's that. got a handle, dude. I'm like, yeah. how did that happen? Mm-hmm. As a seven two, whatever his wingspan was, dude. I'm like, because he's big and he's like a rail and he's just super skinny and you don't see like where the the wiggle comes from, but it's there. Yeah, with guys like that, I always wonder how tall were they when they were like fifteen? Yeah, sixteen. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, if he just shot up his last year of high school or something like that and has those instincts, knows like the rhythm of of ball handling but he's he's pretty fun man and there there are some clunker games in there i'm like i'm not gonna tell you he's all sec um should be a lottery pick but edge of the first round yeah he's definitely deserving from his traits um and you might just have to wait a little bit might be a bit of a wait but if he puts some muscle on like that guy's nice yeah Yep. seems like the bottom of the first round kind of has a few more of those guys, like Nas Reed from mm-hmm. uh, LSU, and then the guy that I'm about to talk about, Bruno Fernando from yeah. Maryland. So, like, if in between, like, 22 and 33 is, like, mm-hmm. center land, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, Bruno, uh, big man from Maryland, 6'10", 237, kind of the complete opposite of Nick Claxton. Really? He's, like, your classic rim roller the dude looks like deandre ayton out there i mean 6'10 237 is a big boy he's only a sophomore but he's he's a big man um is basically dwight powell's dimensions Mm -hmm. Uh, he's got a seven foot three wingspan he's got a nine foot two standing reach uh by comparison jackson hayes has a nine foot two and a half standing reach so it takes up a lot of space um he has a 33 and a half inch vertical and by comparison dwight powell 35 inch vertical so similar similar Mm. athlete Okay. kind of caliber of athlete between Bruno and Dwight Powell. Um, <laughs> my big complaint with him, oh, my God, the guy shot 71% at the rim this season, but only 44% of his rim attempts were assisted, which means this guy was posting up a lot. Oh, no. How often? He had 449 offensive possessions this season, okay? 216 of them, about half, were in the post. Yeah. Uh. Mark Turgeon is their coach, really good college coach, Coach DeAndre Jordan at yeah. Texas A&M. Uh, classic college coach. I will say Maryland did shoot a lot of threes, surrounded him with three-point shooting, but it was a two-big-man, double-post offense. He posted up all the time. He was ninth in D1 in total post-up possessions, which, in my opinion, is kind of a waste of his talents. <laughs> uh, the guy should be running to the rim. He's explosive, major dunker. Great touch around the rim. Also a really, really phenomenal passer. Um, Got double teamed a whole lot in the post because he's so physically overwhelming and he was able to find guys out of that, but that also led to a lot of turnovers. He averaged 2.8 turnovers per game, which is a whole lot. Mm. Most of that was because he just does not have the – how many big men do when they're 19, 20 years old? Doesn't have the ball skills Mm -hmm. to dribble out of a double team. I Mm -hmm. mean, he was he was getting feasted on by these doubles. uh, You know, Maryland was so young; they were uh, the youngest team in the Big Ten, and I think like the second or third youngest team in the country. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of sophomores and freshmen on this team that didn't 
really gel, uh, didn't know what to do whenever their big man was being doubled. So it led to a lot of like wonky looking possessions, but still averaged 13 and a half points, 10 and a half boards, shot 61% from the field, blocked two shots per game. Um, most of his shots came at the rim. Like I said, he only took th- 10 threes this season. Um, but he shot 47% on two-point jumpers and shot 78% on free throws. So the guy's got touch. I mean, he's got a lot of offensive talent, a lot of offensive talent, uh, so much so that the ringer actually compared him to Ennis Cantor. Nope. I think that he's a little further along defensively than Cantor was when he came into the league. Um, he's not perfect on that end by any means, but what 20-year-old big man is. I mean, mm-hmm. even Aiton had defensive issues last oh, yeah. season, and he's like one of the best big men prospects we've seen in a long time. Um, but, man, he is a force. Some of his dunks were like, we got to stop the game yeah. kind of guy. He is he is a monster, That's dude. Fun. Absolute monster. Uh, I was watching uh, Dylan Windler from, from Belmont. I, I was watching Windler, but one of their tournament games was against Maryland. So I watched that game, and Fernando just dominated in that game. Really? I mean, yeah, because these, these small schools just don't have a guy that can go up against him. But even the big schools don't. He had a Freshman great Freshman or sophomore? Who, Fernando? Yeah. Sophomore. Sophomore. He had a great game against Michigan. I mean, he is a force mm-hmm. around the basket, just a, a mm. big time. And he did roll to the rim a little bit, but not enough, in my opinion. Spent half his time in the post. But whenever he gets going toward the basket, he's just a, a, a dynamite jumper. Uh, big time finisher, dunker, offensive rebounding machine, just a, a big dude, a brute who can jump and who will throw it down on you and who will let you know about it. Mm. He is a he, he is a beast down there. It's 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 awesome. I think that it, he is a, an immediate uh, day one pick and roll lob guy. And so in that range where it seems like the Warriors draft a different center every single season, <laughs> Damian Jones, Kevon Looney, they had. Uh, Diamond Stone, I think they had on their team for a little while. Like they <laughs> had like Stone. Uh, they got uh, other guys too. I don't even remember. I mean, they started five different centers in the finals. Like that's kind of the range that he would go in. I think Houston's down there too. Like all of these teams need centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a guy that you could put on the floor, put in space, say set a screen for him, then run to the basket and put your hands out, and he will throw it down on you. He's a, awesome. he, yeah, he's a he's a physical force down there already, and he's only 20, so mm. that's, that's great. He sounds a lot like Gafford. Talk, like, honestly, yeah, let's, let's – Like, that's, uh, that's a lot of the same exact notes I have for Gafford, except for maybe um, he's not as filled out. Like, Gafford's a sophomore, and I feel like he was thicker last year. Like, I don't know if somebody told him to cut weight or something. I remember watching him last year, and I'm like, oh, this dude's pretty powerful. Yeah. And I watch him this year, and I'm like, oh, he kind of looks soft and skinny. Um, Maybe he tried to shed weight to be he, quicker. He did a lot of stuff that the decision making from whoever's advising him. I mean, he would have been a lottery pick last year. Gafford would have been. And he came back for a sophomore season. And I'm like, bud, mm. where are you going higher than the lottery? Like, wh- what in your mind is going to make you? And whenever you do that, like, people start building a narrative around why you came back, right? It's like, Oh, he's going to work on his jumper. He's going to work on his passing. He's going to work on his, his post-ups or whatever it is. And he didn't really do any of that. He just got really freaking good at the things he was good at, Yeah, which is pick and roll and cuts to the basket. Like, I hate how they classify, like, pick and roll, roll man stuff. Um, because I think there's a lot more of it that happens than gets classified correctly. 
Like a lot of times it'll just be called like a cut and I'm like, okay, well that's actually off a of pick and roll action. And maybe he screened away one time, but it's just kind of like a slow developing play or it turns into a post up because he pick and rolled on like a short roll. And now he's spinning to create a shot. And I'm like, that's still roll, man. Like classify everything of what the action that got there yep. is not how the shot got up. Um, but anyway, Gafford center from Arkansas, debatable if he's a four or five, but in the NBA, he's a five. Um, 6'11", 233 pounds, so quite larger than Claxton, but still not like, I don't know, if he's going to be what a non-shooting Bruno Fernando type, he he needs some, his shoulders need to be wider. He, yep. needs, to, he needs his arms need to be bigger. He needs to Dwight Powell on out or mm. Maxi on out. Um, he number, still looks like a, he's just a big guy. He's though. huge. He's huge. Yep. And he's long and his frame is perfect for it yeah like you fell out a little bit yeah you look at claxton and you're like i don't know how much weight you can put on that frame um but for him i'm like dude you could add 20 pounds he could be 250 and probably still be flying around um one of the stats i loved was uh three plus blocks at least three blocks in 10 of his games so just he's gonna get up there and challenge you sometimes it's starts hunting the block a little bit and mm. um Number I didn't like has never ever taken a three in his college career. Really, <laughs> not a one. Yeah, that's a good piece of trivia. Yeah, played seventy games or something. right? Yeah, but he's wow. a, he's a pick and roll monster. Mm. They just didn't use it as much. And it, pick and roll is an old man's like savvy technique that takes a, such a long time to get right. That's why Luca's so impressive with it. You know what I mean? Because mm. it just it just doesn't happen. Um, 85th percentile and pick and roll roll man um 96th percentile and overall half court um 32.5 standing vert who i think was fifth they classified him as a forward at the combine fifth for all forwards oh wow from a 611 dude yep so standing vert is you stand there you squat down you jump right back up um his max vert wasn't a top five um but the three-quarter court sprint that they make you do which is just I guess baseline almost what free throw line, uh, opposite free throw line, three point two five seconds. That was third among every forward. Wow, and that's that tested six foot seven guys. Yes, yes, for a six eleven, two thirty three, two hundred thirty three pound guy. So he's great at running the floor, great at getting um, free throw line to free throw line in transition. Um, what the standing vert tells me, and what just watching the film tells me, is he's a two foot jumper. Um, and for a big man, I don't know if that's an issue. Um, we saw Dennis run head on into a lot of issues being a two foot jumper as a guard. Um, because you just think about it. If you go up with two feet, you're creating this like door frame. That's like swinging and swinging and swinging towards the basket and usually coming at it from like a 45 degree angle. And so you're swinging and it just, for a guard, it's really tough for a guy that can, literally jump over almost anybody being 6'11 and having a vert like that it wasn't quite the issue um but i'd like to see if he could develop a one foot jump like just okay you catch the ball on the roll you don't need a one two my two feet are square to me gather and jump because it just makes everything quicker that was dwight's one of dwight powell's biggest kind of projects his first mm -hmm. couple of years he yeah. still jumps off two feet in the roll but yeah. catching the ball and then taking one two getting contact and finishing took him three years yeah yeah, I mean, you think of what makes like a guy like Capella special is like the quick jump off one foot on a pick and roll, right? Um, so that's something that 
you got to start working on probably day one because uh, otherwise you're just gonna you're almost gonna like Nerlens in a pick and roll where you think he's gonna be there and it's a second late and he takes a little bit longer to gather and it looks like you're gonna get him killed throwing a lob. Mm. Um, good frame, the weight is intriguing. The weight's already there. Um, not quite an elite athlete. It's weird because I look at him and I'm like, you could be like super twitchy if you wanted to. I could because your Max Vert tells me there's something in those that that body structure and those muscles, or you can go straight up real quick. Mm. But side to side isn't really there. Um, he is creative. Whenever he starts getting, he'll set a pick and he'll get you hooked. And he'll he uses his frame pretty well and like creating space and getting like they would just foul him whenever he'd run pick and rolls. Like he'd set such a good screen that either the switch or his man. They wouldn't let him start running at the basket. They would just grab him. It happened a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, he does the the couple shots that I saw him take um, from outside. He does the slow, soft, big man jumper. And everyone knows what that is, I mm. think, that has watched enough basketball. It's like, okay, you watch Steph Curry and the ball goes – it's on a line and it's in the basket. It has enough arc to where it'll go in the basket, and that's it. There's no wasted. It is quick. It is up, down, shot, out. He does the try and soft it in, yeah. you know, that type of stuff where yeah. the ball doesn't rotate that many times. Mm. It's almost like spin rate whenever you're a pitcher. Yeah. Um, it, it's like he wants the ball to hit the front of the rim and the back of the rim and then the backboard and then the front of the rim and then go in. It's like, no, just throw the thing through the hoop. It's mm. not that hard. Um Turnovers when posting up were a problem. But that's it with everybody. That's why Every, you shouldn't post them. up at all. All of them. Don't do it. Yeah. I think it was like 14. If you're a college coach, do not <laughs> let your players post up. Don't, don't, don't play too bigs. And you're setting them up for failure, yeah. man. I think it was like above 14%, I think, in the post for turnovers. So just putting the ball in the deck down there. Fernando's was like, yeah. I think, above 20. Wow. Um, yeah, I can't really explain why his stock dropped besides – People just want him to add a shot. Team probably. I don't think the team had they a good year. Good. Yeah, they weren't yeah. a good team. I mean, year. they lost Macon, and then they also had someone else on their team last year who I think was a senior. Mm-hmm. They had two guys last year average almost 20 a game. Yeah. Macon's now a two-way guy, and then mm-hmm. so was Gafford was the only one left. Yeah. So the team wasn't as good. He didn't add a shot. He didn't add any passing, but he got extremely uh, hyper-skilled at the things he was already good at, which is cool. Mm. Um, next step is – Fill out that frame completely, get self-actualized, get up to 250 pounds with keep your verticality, um, and maybe get a where you can launch off one foot. And that dude's – he's a lot like Fernando. Like, I love that dude. I love watching the dude. He he will catch insane lobs. Yep. Like, he'll be rolling with the basket, and I'm like, that's one of the worst passes I've ever seen. Oh, my God. How did he get that ball? There's value in having that guy. Yeah. Even if that's all they can do, look at Dwight Powell. Mm-hmm. How valuable is he? Yeah, and absolutely. Also, how rich is he about to be? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, that's enough talk about big guys. Yeah. Let's talk about offense. Yeah. Offense is fun. Defense is for the nerds. Yeah, who needs that? Okay, so I'm going to talk about maybe the most offensive player in this entire draft uh, from one of the most offensive teams in the country. That, of course, is the man. If you go to ESPN's best available right now, unless they've updated it in the last 24 hours, he is the look. 37th player on the ESPN board. He is Dylan Windler. Okay. Wing out of Belmont. Belmont. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Belmont basketball right now. <laughs> so uh, their head coach, Rick Bird, retired after this season. Okay. He's built 
quite a program out there in Belmont. They had such a good season, in fact, that despite not winning the conference tournament as a pretty low-level mid-major conference, they still received an at-large bid into the tournament. Now, they had to play their way in, and they did. They won the play-in game. Hmm. Uh, they were the regular season champions of the Ohio Valley Conference, which is also where John ja. Morant and Murray State come from. Not the most um, auspicious list of mm. NBA players have come uh, from the Ohio Valley outside of Tennessee State. I guess like in the 70s and 80s, a lot of guys came from them. But otherwise, it's a pretty humble conference of basketball players. Uh, Belmont, though, this season... It's kind of like made you think like, holy crap, Dylan Windler might have something here because they were the number five offense by offensive rating in the country. That is out of 353 teams. They scored 116 points per 100 possessions this season. They were incredible. That's humming. 87 points per game, second in the country to only Gonzaga, uh, which also just beats down uh, uh, mid-major teams. Mm Mm-hmm. They lost. They they won their first tournament game ever. It was the first four game, which in my opinion doesn't really count, but it does officially. <laughs> they beat Temple by eleven. Dylan Windler in that game was not good. That was oh, one of no. his worst games as a college player. Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, as an eleven seed, they took on Mighty Maryland and Bruno mm. Fernando, who they lost to seventy nine seventy seven in a classic. That was a really fun game. I, I knew how it ended. I was still on the edge of my seat. Uh, but anyway, they're awesome. They shot 33s per game. They play fast. They play up and down, really modern. Everything is at the rim or beyond the arc. They're mm. great to watch. Dylan Windler was the guy. Uh, he was like the linchpin of the whole thing. He was their guy. Leading scorer at 21 points per game. Led the whole conference in rebounds at 10.8 per game. Shot 54 from the field, 43 from three, and 85 from the free throw line. Uh, lifetime 67% shooter on two-point shots wow, and 40% shooter on threes. He led his conference in effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, rebounds, and BPM, all four of those things two years in a row, okay? He was the king of that conference. Don't listen to all this nonsense about John Moran, <laughs> right? We're all about Dylan Windler. Um, okay, you hear a guy named Dylan Windler from yeah. a school named Belmont, and you think, all right, yeah. he's got to be a pretty underwhelming athlete, right? An accounting intern. But six foot seven and a half inches tall, six ten wingspan, very solid dimensions. Okay, he's got a thirty-seven and a half inch vertical leap. Damn, which son. is big. Okay, uh, Doug McDermott. Think of him. Remember all the dunks he had here in a short time. He was like pretty solid athlete, really mm-hmm. running the floor, get up and down. Uh, he has, like, the same exact measurements as Windler, although wow. McDermott uh, plays 20 pounds heavier and mm. is still that explosive. So the question mm. is for Windler, who I think is whatever he's listed at, subtract 10 pounds, mm-hmm. probably like 210, 215, maybe 220. He's got to add a little bit probably because he, he's like a three or four in the NBA, I think, um, while still maintaining the explosiveness. Because if you get up to, like, 225, 230 – and all of a sudden you can't move as yeah. well, then it really limits your game. But he could do it all, man. He ran off screens. Uh, he spotted up. He created. He pulled up. He took some ridiculous shots from, like, 35 feet away. There was nothing but net. I mean, he can shoot the crap out of it. Really easy jump shot. He's got a great flick of his wrist. Uh, really nice high release. He's got long arms, so the shot is tough to contest. He's a big guy, so it's tough to get in his face. Uh, he runs off screens, got great footwork to get into his shot quickly. 
uh, played four years in college, so obviously he knows exactly what he can and can't do. Um, is that why a, he's down there? Just because he's a senior? Senior at a small school, yeah. I mean, okay. and he's he's not like a he's not like Kevin Porter to where you can give him the ball and he can create some space. Mm. You know, he's okay. definitely a at least at the pro level. I would think he's a guy that's going to need to be spot up guy. I mean, like Doug McDermott. Yeah. But if if coming out of college, everybody knew that Doug McDermott would have this career, he probably wouldn't have been a lottery pick. Mm. He probably would have been. A, a mid to late first round pick. Yep. And I think Windler, I don't know if Windler's as good as McDermott. I I mean he's he's certainly not as big, uh, but he's just as good at shooting and scoring. Um that's probably kind of a mark against him. You're a four year college player at a school no one's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean the numbers don't lie, man. He's the he's the leader of the best offense in the country. Uh eight hundred and fifty nine players in D one last season used at least a hundred possessions as a spot up shooter. He ranked in the 93rd percentile among all of them. He ranked in the 95th percentile nationally in three-point percentage. Uh, he took seven of them per game. Uh, he is just a monster, man. He is he is pure offense, pure shooter, uh, spot-up guy, wing, unlimited range. He's – I mean, every team could use that kind of player. Mm-hmm. The question is, can he do enough of the other stuff? Uh, can he defend well enough? Uh, can he? Is he enough of an athlete? Um, he's obviously not going to la- average 11 rebounds per game in the NBA, but can he at least box his guy out and pull down some whenever he needs to? Uh, there's just not a lot on tape of him going up against NBA caliber athletes because he played in the Ohio Valley. Um, but it's funny because those same criticisms aren't given to John ja yeah, Morant. To ja. uh, yeah campaign is the most recent high level guy e. that came out of that conference and he has struggled to make a name for himself. He's having a so tough time, yeah. That is another kind of potential mark against a standout player from that conference is well there's not a big history of guys succeeding from that conference. So mm-hmm. what makes you different? Yeah. Um so we'll see. But I mean I, I definitely think that he is like a really good team drafts him to be a dead eye um kind of player i mean i i think that is that's the range and that's that's perfect for where they are in the draft that's late 20s early to mid 30s um every team needs three-point shooting the mavs almost most of all yeah um so we'll see i mean i, I have no idea if i have no idea who they even have even worked out because they're really tight-lipped about all that stuff right but he's someone that is uh gonna make a team probably pretty happy if nothing mm. else he's gonna shoot the crap out of the ball that sounds like a a Mavs pick, a four-year dude that's just awesome. And like in the second round, I think we've taken quite a few upperclassmen. Yeah, like that's I our mean, that's our vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. They they don't mind it because yeah. you get these guys. You don't have to develop them. Yeah, they're already kind of developed. You just have mm-hmm. to improve what they can already do. Right. So they, it's the NBA skill thing. Yeah, it's almost everybody outside the lottery that we've taken in a long time was almost a senior like justin uh jalen brunson brunson jay crowder, jay crowder. sarge uh, was larkin. 28 yeah larkin was three-year guy or something like Sophomore that or junior yeah. yeah um so yeah once they you get inside of the lottery justin jackson who was yeah. a three or four-year college player yeah they like they like those kind of guys i mean dwight's obviously a four-year dude at stanford um they like the the, the intelligence the game iq is important to them um and that's that's just reps you don't you don't can't fake that yeah. Anywhere else. Um, okay, so the last dude I'll do, um, since I know we're going super long, 
is we're about uh, to enter hour three. Of oh this. God! I'm I not, do have I do have a happen. sleeper after you're done. So this is okay. not the last guy. We okay, got, we got one right. more, and this one's quick because it's just there's not much to read on it. Um, Luka Samanic, uh, Croatian. Well, sure, it's not Samanic. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> not at all. Samanic, Samanic. I don't know. Uh, Croatian power forward slash center that played for. Uh, it's listed as Union Olympia. They are sponsored by oil, <laughs> so it's just it pops up on Synergy and everywhere else as Petrol Olympia Ljubljana. So the hub of that team is Slovenia, hey. um, which is fun because we love Slovenia and their fan base and our, our new son, mm-hmm. um, but also not so fun to watch because watching an 18-year-old play against dudes that's the finest of the slovenian league which is a very (laughs) tiny country um it's just kind of awkward um there's a lot of dudes out there that i'm like yo i would cook this guy (laughs) (laughs) just bring this guy out to the rec center (laughs) like i will cook this dude um so what i did like so what i'm trying to say is reading too much into it is dangerous either way and his numbers were impressive i mean it's like eight points you know six rebounds whatever it was um depending on how you skew what classification because he plays much like watching luca our luca last year it's like finding which league he's playing in to watch but whenever you watch real madrid you're like this is the 31st best team in basketball Yeah, like i've seen all of his opponents play right for the spurs yes you know i've seen right. them in the nba and the tournaments and the leagues they're playing in i was like okay these guys could sign two ways or sign in the, in the NBA, and this is different. So you take it down to like a third tier league, like whatever uh, you want to call um, Eurobasket, that um, and the different, the 10 different leagues that Luca participated in in his time there. I'm like, okay, they're like the 1.5, maybe the second best league. Um, I mean, the, this is no disrespect. It's like A ball. Yeah. Yeah. And this Slovenian league and a lot of the tournaments he played in, and I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like, it's mm. tough to judge because these guys just aren't – they aren't on the level. That's where you got to be the Tony Ronzoni, like, galaxy yeah, brain kind yeah. of. So it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard scout, number one, um, to get uh, – you can get a feel for the guy, but you can't get a feel for the guy in any kind of projectable way or um, – any understanding of the guys he's playing against. So it's a little weird. There's almost nothing to be gained from that, um, except for like, okay, he likes to stand around the perimeter and shoot whenever it's available and no one closes out on him. And, you know, he'll go at the basket and very rarely finishes strong and kind of does what it looks kind of rec center at times. Um, But what I did like is he showed up to the NBA Combine, he participated in it, and he was extremely in shape. He smoked him in the five-on-five, five too. He was very worth. good in his five-on-five. Five. I think he had 13 points. Um, I watched that, which is actually on Synergy now, which is cool. Um, yeah, he was exceptional in the five-on-five five at the Combine, which, again, isn't probably the top 10 guys or top 15 lottery guys, but there are legit players there. 38-inch um, max vert. Dang. For a 6'11", 230-pound dude. Yeah. Um, what I didn't like is in his entire time over there, he had 21 possessions as a role man in all the games he played 21 possessions. A lot of it is, uh, 
hanging around the perimeter or posting somebody up and trying to get a look and trying to pump fake somebody into going by and just like he didn't play that powerful he didn't play very strong um for a post player um whenever he was playing in some of the combine stuff i was watching him and i was like dude he's running off screens he's making sharp cuts he looks like like a younger version of like bielitsa mm-hmm. like he's getting out there he's getting his feet set he's ready to shoot and he's you can't catch him off the screen and he'll just launch and it looks like a pretty pure stroke and he's a tall dude and you can't do anything about it um but the overall numbers and his time as a you know 17 18 year old are a little bit different um he is the most athletic person in that league but that doesn't really say a ton mm-hmm. um it, it could just be age uh number one but yeah, i mean he's all like like you could see his elbows popping out of yeah it, you he's know. he's got a real skinny frame yeah he's got a real skinny he's the baby deer yeah he is um he will but he was still like the strongest and most athletic person in that league but he never played like he realized it like he would like play down to whoever's guarding him and i'm like dude just be mean just get angry um so top five at the combine in shuttle and vert and sprint among centers um he definitely needs to add some strength i think he's actually i'm sorry forwards he wasn't classified as a center Hmm. classified as a forward definitely needs to add some strength um really weak around the basket like i said can get knocked off of like you know whenever you play soft around the basket like you just kind of get a little knocked off in your shot he just doesn't finish around the basket which was really a real bummer um because that's where they forced him to they threw him down there a lot they were like get down there we're gonna throw an entry pass to you you work it and get the bucket and he just just didn't have it man um that league is exceptionally whack um <laughs> there look like there's some future maniacs in there um he was a he was a pretty atrocious passer um i don't know if his teammates were like trying to clown on him every time he'd throw a bad pass but it looked like the uh like if you throw a pass to me and it's on the tip of my fingers and I'm not going to go get it because it was such a bad pass. Like a lot of that happened. It was weird. Yep. Like he would throw a bullet pass to somebody and it would just be like outside of their frame and they would just like look at him like I'm here, throw the ball here. Yeah. That's <laughs> and that might just be like a, being an 18 year old playing with grown men and playing. Six. Yeah. And I, they might just all be slow. Like they might just be able to not to relocate that quickly and go get a ball. But his passing was really bad. Um, but He's 19. He's got professional experience. He's bigger than hell now. He's, I mean, he's filled out pretty quickly, which is the kind of jump you want to see uh, going into a combine. Like, if you're going to show up to a combine as a dude that doesn't have that great a tape, the numbers aren't good, there's not, like, hype around you, show up in excellent shape. Check that box real quick. And that changes a lot for you. And there is some hype around him now um, because of that. And he's, I've read a couple interviews with him, and he sounds like an exceptionally intel- intelligent kid. Um, he talks about, like, the threats of social media and stuff like that. Like, oh, he's wow. he's heady, yeah. He's pretty heady. Um, but it's a complete blob of clay, right? Um, if you think you can turn that blob of clay into, you know, a nice, a nice vase or something, a lot of teams probably will. Hmm. Uh, but... It's just going to take some TLC. Yeah, the 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 tape, especially against that competition, taking that into account, I was like, 
there's nothing really special going on here. Mm. He just looks like one of the dudes there that happens to be quite a bit younger. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was tough to tell, though, like even whenever Chris Stapps came out. Oh, yeah. Heard all about the unicorn and I watched mm-hmm. his stuff in Spain and I was I mean, it's just tough. Sometimes you just don't. Yeah. Well, and that gets that's lost in translation, too. You know? Yeah. It, the thing that bothers me, though, about uh, Samanich the most is the shot. He would shoot him, but he didn't make a high number. I think mm-hmm. he was like a 30 percent three point shooter. Um, and then the competition is like, okay, this is a uh, Slovenian league. Um, it's not even like a a big league over there. Um, and it just, I don't know how many of those dudes have ever uh, made it to the league or even played professionally for more than a handful of years. So mm-hmm. I'm like just watching and it's, so that's why he's down around where we're picking. Yeah, uh, it's just a it's a it's a pet cat situation. Like Otherwise, he would be yeah the number one overall pick. <laughs> right? If he was <laughs> if he dominated at that age, even in that league, if he was just balled out in twenty five a game or something like that, and it'd be a different story. But that's what happens with non lottery pick um, international guys that didn't play in a big league. Mm. So, but it's a tough scout. He's European. Mm-hmm. His name is Luca. Right. Don't rule it out. Yeah, that's he's tall. He's big for his size and. He's got some outliers um, athletically, like ours did mm. uh, whenever he came out. So There you go. Yeah. All right, I got a sleeper for you. Yeah, hit it. Uh, so, again, Draft Express guys, they rock. Mm-hmm. But if you <laughs> go to... Calling their, them out. They're best available. Uh-huh. And you go to page one, you won't see the guy I'm about uh, to talk to. No. If you go to page two... You won't see the guy that I'm about to talk about. Mm. If you go to page three. They make three pages? You will not see the guy that I'm talking about. Eee. You will see who I'm talking about on page four mm. of the best available in the NBA draft. He is a player who is not ranked on the ringers. I believe they go to top 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Charks, whose opinion on prospects I value perhaps more than any other person alive had never even paid attention to him before. <laughs> That's the level of player we're talking about here. Yes. Which I just cannot believe because he was the player of the year Whoa. in the Pac-12 for a Power 5 conference team that went to the tournament as a high seed. By high, I mean low number. Michael I'm talking, Jordan. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Jordan, yeah. The player I'm talking about is Jalen Noel out Noel. of Washington. Noel, N-O-W-E-L-L. Not Noel like Noel. Yeah, like Nowell, but it's pronounced Shooting guard, Noel. Jalen Noel. From one of my favorite things uh, about watching Matisse Thibel, I had two of them. Mm-hmm. The first is by watching Matisse Thibel, I learned about Jalen Noel. The second is by watching Matisse Thibel, I was exposed to a whole lot of Bill Walton. <laughs> and every time he mentions... Washington or the Huskies, he always goes, woof, woof. And I, I turned on one game. The first Noel. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's plenty of that, too. And the first thing I heard when I turned on one of Washington's games was just, woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Did I leave yeah. this Bubs video playing? Yeah, I don't need to listen. I, don't, I, don't need, I skipped all the games that non-Bill Walton's called. I only watched Bill Walton's games, learned a whole lot about Washington University, the city of Seattle, and also Mount Rainier. Oh. It was great. And, uh, all the, it's all a great the place to visit. Yeah, all the Cascades. Uh, but anyway, Jalen Noel, 
He won the Pac-12 Player of the Year Award. That's wild. On a team in Washington that dominated the conference, okay, that was coached by Mike Hopkins, of course, uh, from Syracuse. They played a 2-3 zone. Uh, Noah Dickerson on his team. His team was full of players that should have been better than him. Noah Dickerson, senior. David Crisp, point guard, senior. Matisse Theibel, uh, guard forward, senior. Nazia Carter, sophomore. Dominic Green, senior. He was better than all of them. He was the highest-ranked prospects on their team. He was the best player on their team. He won the Pac-12 Player of the Year award. He averaged 16 points per game, shot 44% on threes. His effective field goal percentage, let me get down to the advanced part. Uh, His effective field goal percentage, 56.1. True shooting percentage was nearly 60. PER of 20. He was worth more win shares than anybody else on their team. He had the second highest BPM of anybody on their team. And yet somehow nobody knows that this guy exists. It is unbelievable, my man unbelievable and then we're going to the white house then we're going to dc to take back the white house washington in what no i was doing the howard uh dean oh we're going we're going to philly and then we're going to (laughs) iowa and then we're going to washington and then we're going to california oh man i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry i made you explain that joke to me it's all good Uh, but this is you don't tell a lot of howard dean jokes on your (laughs) day-to-day yeah loads of them Okay. Uh, this is a guy who's 6'4", 6'7", wingspan, 38.5-inch vertical leap. He can create his own shot. He's pretty good in the mid-range. He played backup point guard for them inexplicably and was like good enough to help them make the tournament despite being a two-guard or even a three. He ranked 97th percentile nationally in catch and shoot. He is unbelievable. He doesn't even turn 20 until July, dude. Wow. I Get don't him in understand. here. I don't understand why... He's unranked. Why in mocks he's not even going? He's not even getting drafted. Like, mm. I don't get it. I don't mm. get it. He's six four, super polished, super smooth. He's uh, got a really cool name. Jalen Noel is an really awesome cool name. name yeah. uh, great shooter. Fifty percent from the field, forty four from three, seventy eight from the free throw line. Averaged a steal per game. Averaged five boards, three assists. Uh, I, I just I don't get it. I don't get it. I wonder if it could be because Washington plays zone. So if you're drafting a wing, you want to know how he defends and he doesn't jump off the page like Thibel. So maybe you think like, all right, well, he just must not be special. Uh, maybe he averaged 16, but we'd really rather look at guys that average 20. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but and, and I'm, I'm not good at like identifying sleepers in the draft. I have never watched guys that are ranked as low as him, frankly. Um, but I watch him and think there's no way that he should not be a second-round player. So maybe I'm way off. Mm-hmm. I even told that to Charks. So I was like, I might just be way wrong. Like, tell me if I'm an idiot. I w- but I wonder if it's just he wasn't a really highly ranked recruit. He's had a good program but not a great program. Uh, there's better players on his team or better, like, prospects that are considered to be so, so they're not going to pay a lot of attention to him. Uh, I don't know. I don't get it, but I think he's going to make a team very happy. Uh, we'll see. We'll check back in five years. Maybe I'm an idiot, but like <laughs> I watch him play, and I think that guy belongs in the NBA. The way he moves, the way he shoots, uh, he is an NBA player. And so we'll see. Maybe maybe I'm an idiot, though. You'll just have to check back. Good stuff. I think at some point, every person, every man in the United States is going to be named Jalen. Maybe yeah. like 50 years from now. Yeah. And then every female is going to be named Emma. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're we're through like the Aiden era. I, I okay. felt like every kid was Aiden for a while, so maybe I didn't like, think we were gonna make it. Or Jackson, that, yeah, with an X, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's loads of them. There's uh-huh. loads of them. 
But uh, anyway, that was fun, man. That's two hours of talking about pick number thirty-seven. Yeah. Uh, I will say, and I'm not trying to put a damper on everything we just told you. <laughs> only two players in in, in, <laughs> in NBA history okay. drafted number thirty-seven overall have career scoring averages of ten points per game or more. Oh, well, what so does that mean? This is <laughs> you're you're looking for diamonds in the rough, but that's yeah. what it's all about, man. The draft is an we art, not a science. Diamonds. Maybe you can find one. The Mavs have had a lot of the good thirty-sevens. Yeah. Uh, They've had Quincy Acey. They've had Dewan Blair. Uh, former Maverick great Shinanu Onwaku was taken 37th mm. overall. The best of them all, Nick Van Exel. He's awesome. Probably the best 37th I'm pick a fan in of NBA Nick Van Exel, so and I'm going to expect something. Iced coffee. Is he? Apparently, yeah. That's awesome. his new thing. Good. Uh, so, you know, I guess <laughs> just keep your expectations in line. But, like, yeah. the thing is, I don't know what to expect about this draft. It's unlike any draft that I can remember uh, in, recent, in recent times just because, like, so many teams are trying to not draft players, but like the, those same teams, the ones that have all the picks. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's going to be really weird. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be a whole lot of trades, just like there Most always are. Most trades ever, probably. Yeah, there could be. There yeah. could be. Uh, so it'll be interesting. We'll see where the Mavs check in, but uh, yeah, it's going to be. Thursday. We'll get some good out of it, man. Yeah. We get a contributor because we need one. We need a contract that is you're getting surplus value from. Yeah, I mean, whenever you look at it from a front office point of view. Jalen Brunson is so valuable because he's on his rookie contract and he's stinking really good. Borderline starter yeah. taken in the second round. Get another one of those. Or get something close to that. You know what I mean? Because that's how really good teams are built. Yeah. You just watched one win the championship. Yeah. And, I mean, you can make fun of the Mavs drafting uh, history, but recently in the Not second in front round. Not follow well. Well, I mean, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Everybody, whatever. <laughs> but recently in the second round, Brunson hit. Huge. Jay, uh, Jay Crowder mm-hmm. hit. Huge. Yeah. Uh, Dwight Powell, they didn't draft, but they acquired him. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, undrafted. He's been very good. So, like... Maxi. Yeah, yeah, Maxi. Within the last three, four, five, six years, they have acquired numerous quality players mm-hmm. in the second round or undrafted. So, I mean, they're very good operating in that range. So, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what they can cook up. All but right. um, we don't have to wait much longer, man. Just a week. Really soon, man. All right, well, good stuff. I thought that was informative. We uh, talked more than anybody probably could ever listen to in one sitting. So I'll uh, I'll do like timestamps. Oh, the cool description, for the players. So yeah, yeah. I might instruct Jay Lim to just break this down by player or something like yeah, that yeah, by yeah, discussion. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. But I uh, just wanted to get it all out there because we put a lot of work into watching these dudes and we trying did. to be intelligent about them uh, so that we know what they are before they're even here or in the league here. So uh, yeah. That was great, dude. Hey. Fun stuff. Good times. Uh, We made it happen. Yeah. Let's go get a snack. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's keep moving forward until we get that snack. Always moving forward. Um, As always, the ceiling is the roof. Uh, You're Mike Marshall. I am. (laughs) I'm Bobby Corella. We never uh, introduced ourselves. Uh, That's Lizelle. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah, that's it. Uh, Mavs Draft Thursday. After that, next big thing, free agency, June 30th. Things are about to start happening. It's going to be an exciting summer. We'll have more for you then. But until then, uh, please grab a Sprite. (laughs) Yeah.